this is Surreal Politique Stage 1, Episode 21. And the, uh, the title of this episode, of course, is Lateral and Complementary, which is the station that uh, women hold to men. And you probably know that already because you're a genius. You listen to this show, of course, which means that you're very smart. And smart people, they understand these things. And there comes the intro music, as one would expect, because, you know, I've said, you know, like a couple of minutes ago that it was going to start. And so the music begins and you're like, hey, that's sharp. You know, that sounds like professional music. It sounds like something that somebody was in the radio business might have as an introduction to their show. This doesn't sound like the work of some some garbage podcast. You know, it's actually like a radio show. that bass there. Episode of Surreal Politics. I'm the home host of this production, Yamana Gava. Today is August 7, 2023, is the current year. Very good to be with you today. I titled today's episode Lateral and Complementary, which you might have gathered if you heard me before. The intro music is, uh, of course, you already know it. Once I say lateral and complementary, you're talking about the, the, the relationship of women and men, of course. You know that. Uh, and uh, maybe you don't, of course, because, you know, maybe some people have been, um, you know, had their views distorted. There's a lot of that going on, of course, and that is why it is of some interest to our political situation, this relationship between the sexes. You know, these having been distorted to the point where men and women drug and mutilate themselves in an effort to become the other. The outcome of this is frequently suicide and universally misery and destruction, needless to say. In my own ideological journey, my rapid slide from libertarianism to the right wing was prompted by an entirely appropriate revolt against the precursor to this abomination, namely feminism, Feminism begins with the assertion that men and women are in all ways equal. Met with the impracticality of this assertion, it attempts to distort reality in myriad other ways. Among them is a bifurcation between quote-unquote gender, which is said to be between the ears, and sex, which is said to be between the legs. And met with the impracticality of this, that which is between the legs is likewise altered, and as well as matters above the waist but below the neck, such as when women remove their breasts and men take drugs to cause lactation. But these most extreme of examples are hardly the most destructive of the phenomena. It may be described as far more damaging that women have opted for education and career over marriage and family, having at once been given the choice and perhaps more to the point been propagandized to make that very choice. This negatively impacts birth rates and gives rise to immigration concerns, which negatively impacts their happiness and safety, and being miserable as one might expect as a consequence, they are propagandized still more to demand these burdens increase with the false hope that it will increase their happiness, and so the vicious cycle of societal decline rapidly cascades toward the total destruction of our people. No big deal. 
Observing this and taking note of its need for correction, right-wing movements have made various attempts to conceptualize the issue and propose solutions. To date, none have had the desired effect. Of particular note is a tendency toward believing some of the lies feminism uh, some of the lies of feminism even by those in steadfast opposition thereto in particular the idea that feminism promotes equality of the sexes believing this falsehood anti-feminists have sought to reduce the station of women in our society as a means by which to correct for their perceived elevation this is easily among the top 5 greatest mistakes of what was once known as the alt right among them emerged a pathology aiming to take women down a peg, it might be said, and this resulted in senseless hostility and insults which drove away the political support of roughly half the world's population. In what was arguably the most extreme form, a meme described as white Sharia emerged, and whatever its value as a joke, this took on a serious character in some circles and spiraled out into savagery. But equality is not an accurate description of what feminism aims to do, much less what it accomplishes. Like everything left-wing, it is not only a lie, but an inversion of the truth. Feminism reduces women to sex objects rather than freeing them from such perceptions, and asserts that anyone who can talk them into consenting to an act has committed no sin thereby, no matter how depraved the act in question, and no matter how harmful its consequences. A woman is not elevated by seeking a masculine station in life as pertains to the workplace nor on the battlefield. A disparity in her fitness for purpose quickly becomes evident, and efforts to contort our perceptions quickly fail as myths like the gender pay gap emerge and are debunked, and realities like reduced fitness standards in military matters become codified. Sadly lost in near all of this discussion is the fact that a wife and a mother are not inferior to a husband and a father. Neither is the inverse conceivable. These are lateral and complementary stations, neither of which can exist absent the other. There exist in some schools of thought, notably Christian apologetics and others aiming to make logical proofs of God's existence, the notion that the created cannot be greater than the creator. And since men and women cannot exist without the other, this poses a difficult issue for those who aim to assert the primacy of one over the other. Fortunately for them, they tend to reject entirely the concept of God or, just as often, choose to wage war against a God they hate. But codependents with distinct roles are no more inferiors or supremacists, one above the other, than they are equals. They are different and they have distinct purposes to fill. Without those purposes filled, neither can exist, and without their existence, we are not having this discussion. Whatever one's views on God or the hierarchy of creations and creators— one, cannot exist, one who cannot exist absent another can hardly claim to be the dominant of the two. Take among our most obvious examples the issue of war, and exclude for the moment modern efforts to include women in the practice. Until fairly recently, it was universally understood that war was the practice of men, and while historical examples of women participating exist, they are notable for how unusual they are, and thus the exception proves the rule. Men have historically, and with all propriety, considered it their obligation to be the protectors of women. They have taken this obligation so seriously as to die in its performance, and to consider this a worthwhile thing to do. A man who lays down his life in defense of a woman, <clears throat> or in defense of the women of his society, asserts by his act a statement of values in which the expenditure of his life is a lesser value than the prevention of harm to the women in question. On its face, this may be seen as a higher status of women than of men. 
It may be described as akin to the use of dogs in war or police work, wherein canines are sent to sniff for explosives or to attack armed suspects when such a task would prove perilous to the lives of the officers. Are men to be described as holding a station comparative to woman, the status of dog to man? Hardly. Absent this generosity, there would be no women. Women are, if acting appropriately, grateful for the protection. They express this gratitude in ways too numerous to count in a healthy society. Equality would demand that men and women serve comparable roles in the practice of war, and indeed, much effort has been made to impose this on society. But in America, at least, we have not gone so far and not been so enthralled to this delusion that women are conscripted into war, are they? That is still an exclusively male phenomenon, thank God. Now, there are those who would both aim to change this and, of course, men who would sooner wage war against their own governments than submit their daughters to something so unnatural. And given this martial prowess unique to the male, it might be said that he is the ruler, as a matter of fact. He has, at the end of the day, the means by which to impose his will upon the woman. Whatever the woman's status in society, it may be said that the male chooses it, and that one who can be made a slave is arguably already by this fact of such a status. But does a man permit of his daughter or his wife to be made the slave of another? One may presume that examples of this exist, but they are rare enough that they again prove as the exceptions proving the rule. Near universally, a man does not permit this. He is, in effect, prevented from doing so, if not by the consent of the women in question, but by the, other, the will of other men. There exists a humorous advertisement for a brand of firearm in which God made man and women, and the firearms manufacturer, he went ahead and made them equal. <laughs> While conveying a message of some interest and definitely a clever marketing tactic, this hardly describes the reality. To begin, the man made the firearm. <laughs> there exists a substantial likelihood he gave it to the woman as a gift, and perhaps he did so as a result of this very advertisement. It is near certain he taught her how to use it. And while too many women have used firearms to impose upon men the only equality men and women may know, which is to say, death, it is hardly the case that women have been known to show equal propensity for the use of such tools. Their most common use, of course, is for men to kill other men, and thus emerges, among other things, inequality of prison populations. If crime is to be seen as a negative thing, and men near universally the perpetrators of crime, are we to discern from this that women hold the superior station? Hardly. Men also comprise the bulk, and at one time the entirety, of the law enforcement profession of police, of lawyers, of judges, of corrections officers, of hero citizens who rush toward danger while commanding the women to flee or to take shelter. As in the case of war, does the woman infer from this a status superior, of superior value by the protection or the status of inferior subject by obeying the command? I would say neither. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world after all, and it is a world governed by men whose cradles were rocked by women. To pursue this chicken-or-the-egg riddle results in circular reasoning and comes to no definitive conclusion but one, that men and women are lateral and complementary to one another. No chicken, no egg, no egg, no chicken. Karl Marx was by no means shy about his desire to abolish the family, and latter left-wing theorists have only become more radicalized in their drive towards this genocidal end. 
met with the reality that their designs would end in the extinction of man. They have asserted that this is a desirable outcome and incorporated into all of their musings all manner of delusions about our unnatural impacts on the environment. It is no coincidence that women's liberation and anti-racism and environmentalism are all roughly grouped into the same fanatical left-wing ideological movements. They are an indisputably anti-human phenomenon, and they bring unceasing misery, most of all to their adherents, and secondly to those so unfortunate as to be ruled by those adherents. Men who rule justly treat women with very special privileges. It is the transgender fanatics who seek to deprive them of these dispensations. Happy women are typically consumed by the affairs pertaining to their rightful station, which is to say, their positions as wives and mothers. It is preposterous to expect them to manage all that comes along with this vital purpose, and then atop this, to master the specialty of a profession, and to concern themselves with all that occurs within the state, and to maintain a fitness regimen to make them suitable for war, all of which would result in failure and misery and neglect of the husband and the children were they to try. The above describes a relationship which is a requirement of their respected survival, respective survivals. To subvert it is to wish upon them both the most excruciating death conceivable. These are lateral and complementary stations, though unequal in the extreme, and should we seek to secure the existence of our people and a future for our children, and much more if we seek any measure of fulfillment in life, we might do well to abandon both the extremist fringe conceptions of the gender delusionists and also the overcorrections of those who found themselves rightfully in revolt. Some striking examples of a failure to do so emerged in today's uh, emerged to inspire today's theme. I had been trad posting or wholesome posting, which is to say, I was sharing images of families and women and sayings about them which were praising of women in what would be described as traditional roles. In the course of this, I was told, amongst other things, don't simp. Simp. I do not recall hearing that word prior to 2020. My first recollection of observing this term was in researching a different subject some months ago in which a polyamorous woman complained that her lovers would be called simps by other men, and she did not like this at all. I took this to be similar to the word cuck and thought no need to research the implication further. But as I was told, don't simp when praising women who aspire to motherhood and the respect owed a good wife, I was confused and searched the term online. It is, according to one definition, an acronym for suckers idolizing mediocre P, wherein P, the listener, is invited to make all appropriate inferences. Being not a sucker, knowing only the quality of a specific number of P's, which hardly lends itself to general statements, and remaining steadfastly in opposition to idolatry of all sorts, I figured this could hardly be applied to your humble correspondent, but the term, as terms tend to do, has become more broadly applied to what might be described as white knighting, or worse still, toward anyone who has a positive thing to say about women at all. And so I offered a gentle suggestion. And I said on uh, Telegram and on Gab, not on X, because, you know, I'm not paying these idiots $8 a month anymore since they're ripping me off. And uh, now I can't do more than, what is it, 280 characters? So this was on uh, Telegram and Gab. But you should follow me on that X thing, which is different from Twitter. Twitter's a totally different service. I'm not allowed to use Twitter anymore. I'm allowed to use X. 
And so, you know, you know, you guys who are watching the video, I might point out. So, like, there's the, you see this thing that says talk radio God there with the little bird there? I'm off the little bird thing. I don't do the bird thing anymore. I'm on something called X. And there, I'm known as talk radio deity, okay? So you can follow me on there. You definitely should because I'm smart and funny. But anyway, I didn't post this there because I'm not giving X $8 a month after what, the you know, those Twitter guys did to me. And so... On Telegram and Gab, I said the following. I would gently suggest removing the word simp from your vocabulary. I do not recall hearing this word prior to my January of 2020, um, shall we say, losing of Internet access. I just Googled it after hearing it in a variety of contexts over the past few months, including some comments in the last 24 hours, and finding myself uncertain of the inference. Now, I understand entirely the appropriate drive to deride men who are so ignorant of the world as to think that appearing slavish is a way to earn a woman's affections. It seems to me this has taken on an altogether different character in which to say something positive about women as a general matter may meet with this derogatory slang. This is much like the phenomenon of calling someone a grifter or talking about shackles derisively if one is trying to make money. Whatever the sincere intent of the messenger may be, the effect is to isolate the target from a source of value, whether it be money or affection or, most importantly in our context, the political support of half the world's population. Alienating women was easily in the top five mistakes of the alt-right. The entirely appropriate revolt against feminism got out over its skis and descended into taking women down a peg. Banished from the mainstream social media platforms and having our radicalism distilled in echo chambers, it was purified into a crack-like smoking form and became white Sharia. Today we see our supposed betters of the optics war advocating aspirational inceldom, and I have yet to see it coherently explained to me how this is anything other than a plan to create more mass shooters. Women do not need to be taken down a peg. To the extent they need to know their place, it is to remind them of their lateral and complementary station to men. Praising them categorically is not an inappropriate way of accomplishing that goal. I invite you to join me in breaking this very bad habit that we picked up and developing better habits that will help us to both earn more vital support from women and to help those women lead the most fulfilling lives that they can aspire to. And it might go without saying that this resulted in many, many comments. I think it was 168, which had not been deleted as of uh, the time I was writing this uh, description. The end result, of course, was a number of comments that had been deleted and users banned from my chat. In one post, a man uh, posted all the ways in which men were supposedly superior to women, ranging from statistics on intelligence and strength to supposed disparities in promiscuity, which may be at once questionable and of limited utility, since the male sexual appetite is typically restrained by the reciprocity of females, and to the extent that it is not, it is uh, indulged on uh, homosexual dating apps, as a matter of fact, where terrible, terrible, terrible things happen. The same posted a collage of unflattering images, painting women as sexual deviants and gold-digging tramps. Another told us that we were giga-simping. Another said, enjoy being divorce-raped. One asked if I had made the jump to becoming a gender egalitarian, to which I responded, quote, I hardly think it lateral and complementary to describe a position of equality. 
We are describing meaningful distinctions of purpose. Men have distinct roles from women, but while the male role carries with it a distinct authority and a capacity for the use of force, which is inherent in our nature and not practically deniable, a woman's capacity to produce life and the male's requirement for those things only a woman can provide do not, in my mind, render her inferior to him. Additionally, I'd say that if men rush off into battle and lay down their lives to protect women, they are asserting by this act a hierarchy of values, which, if anything, places women above themselves on the scale of importance. But since the woman can hardly be expected to live without this generosity, she can hardly be described as superior to him. Another man suggested that American women in particular were, quote, unrepentant whores, and for this reason needed to be brought down. To him I asked, are you of the opinion that unrepentant whores are in need of much lowering? I am of the view that whores are quite low without any assistance from us. I am further of the opinion that their behavior can hardly be described as womanly. Now, if one were to praise a woman for, say, having a talent for twerking, I think calling that man an unpleasant name might have some merit. On the other, to say that women have this very special quality, which is pertinent to their lateral and complementary station to men, I think is a different category of action entirely. And he responded to me to say, have you seen American women? They look like America itself. Their bodies look like your highway underpasses covered in ugly and discordant tattoos like they have been tagged by random bums, cut marks like they've been sideswiped by a drunk illegal and ugly green hairdo that looks like a dilapidated trailer that sits on exit 325. Now, I've never been to exit 325, but I have seen an underpass or two, or overpass as it were. And so I responded to him that when you see a woman who looks like a highway underpass, I would advise not giving her your affections. I would also suggest that you stop telling women that this is what they are because you actually have some say in this and you are creating the reality you describe. And that reality is perhaps the most important one to learn of all. And if you listen to nothing else I say, listen to this. What is the purpose of anything that we are doing with our words? Perhaps it is appropriate that the media producer is more attuned to this than the listener who makes the occasional comment, and so perhaps it is still more appropriate that I remind you of this. You are the makers of this world. What you say is what you think. What you think is what you do, and what you do is what creates the world that you hold in contempt. If you believe that men hold authority over women, you might begin to assert that authority first by taking greater care with your own speech. If you tell women that they are tattooed whores and those are the women you happen to notice in proximity to you, then take credit for your work and stop blaming others for your dissatisfaction. And don't speak to me of mere observations. Life is not a spectator sport. You are a participant, and you are responsible entirely for the outcome. Praise the praiseworthy, gentlemen. Condemnation plays its part, but it is in no short shortage of supply. I'll tell you something I learned early on in my leadership career, far from politics. In my first management position, my mother bought me some books on the subject of leadership. One of the things that stands out in my mind is something that closely enough approximates a worthwhile lesson, even if it is not actually universally applicable. The, the, the headline of the chapter was, never bring up a problem that you cannot solve. 
Now, there are obvious problems with this idea. You can't take that axiomatically and, you know, exercise it in your life. You bring up a problem that you cannot solve in order to seek a solution, okay? But dwelling on intractable conflicts is the behavior of losers who do not want to solve problems, and so there they dwell to avoid responsibility for addressing the solvable. You understand? People who are stuck in things that they can't do anything about, it's not an accident that they're there, okay? There's things that they can do. They're not addressing those things. And the reason that they're dwelling on the things that they can't dwell on is because they can't be blamed for not solving them. You follow? And you should not do that. Here's another told to me by an older, wiser man later in my career. When a subordinate does a good job, tell him, like, all the time. People like to be praised, and the better they are at their jobs, the less they get of this, since the praiseworthy acts become less noticeable. So all involved are unused to being praised, since the low performer has little to praise, and the high performer has the praiseworthy work become unremarkable. When you praise people, you stand out in their mind. You are the person who makes them feel good about themselves. And all of our relationships— especially our relationships with the opposite sex, are above all about how people make us feel about ourselves. If you make a person, especially a woman, feel good about herself, she will respond to this positively. If you condemn a woman, she will predictably respond to this negatively. But how often do you see a woman praised for being a good wife or portraying the qualities a good wife is perceived to portray. If you are a very good, and I mean an abnormally good husband, you might do this once in a while. If you are a single man, you almost surely have never, ever done this. If you run around calling women whores and speaking of this term with venom, while others tell them, it's good to be whores, Do not be surprised when they accept this as truth and run to those who praise the behavior. And when they then confront you in the street with blue hair and a Molotov cocktail, do not ask why the Jew has made them this way. This is of your making. 217-688-1433 if you'd like to be on the program. And the more you talk, the less I have to. So please do give us a call. Now, let me go ahead, and uh, I'm going to take a, a quick break, <clears throat> and I'm going to play uh, I'm going to play a little clip as I do. And I hope that you will go ahead and fill up my phone lines until I get back, 217-688-1433, because that would be a real, real swell thing for you to do. And so, let me see here. I'm going to play this right here. Myself really worked up this morning as I was getting ready for the show today. This Democrat saying that we need to import endless waves of third worlders into the United States because the National Center for Health Statistics says our birth rates are below replacement levels and we need workers to pay for our Social Security. Like, that's actually going to happen. It was part of a larger discussion on how automation is imminently about to wipe out millions of low-skilled and repetitive jobs. You know, the ones Americans supposedly don't want to do. 
Yeah, they're all going to be gone soon, and all the people that we brought in supposedly to fill them, they're going to end up wondering where their next meal is going to come from. Funding our Social Security. <laughs> yeah, that's rich. It's not good enough that we give away more in foreign aid than it would cost to build walls on our southern and northern borders. We've got to let everybody come here, and when they come here, we got to give them government benefits because, you know, they need a little help to get started. And when their jobs go away, I'm sure that's the point at which fiscal sanity will kick in, right? We'll just bankrupt the entire country and flood it with military-age bills, and then we'll be forced into a libertarian paradise when tax revenue can't pay for so much as the interest on our debt, much less our Social Security. I'm sure that won't result in anything. And, of course, that fertility issue isn't universal across our population in terms of demographics, right? I mean, and what really began to bother me about all this today was less the impending cataclysm than the ugliness of the solution, right? But the longer all this goes on, the more horrifying that correction is going to be. And the toll that task will take on the souls of the men who are compelled to carry it out will be a high one, folks. We will not be the same afterwards, and I pray that we do not lose our humanity in the process. But perhaps this government shutdown thing will help pick up the pace a bit. God Emperor Trump is set to break the record for the longest government shutdown in the history of the Republic. Today marks the day that many federal workers will miss their first paychecks, and already NBC News is predicting a doomsday scenario. TSA agents protested in front of Atlanta's Hartsfield-Jackson International Airport on Thursday afternoon, and the TSA has already reported an uptick in sick calls. Federal prison guards have called out sick as well, leading to longer shifts and hazardous conditions for those who remain. The FAA warns that morale amongst air traffic controllers is rapidly eroding, jeopardizing the safety of air travel. I repeat, today is the first day they'll actually miss a paycheck. I mean, you can understand why they'd be upset, right? I mean, food stamps are funded through February and Congress is still getting paid. So the people performing these supposedly critical functions of our government, seeing where they stand in the hierarchy of federal priorities, have a right to be angry, I suppose. Yet this also illustrates a very serious problem with the character of our nation. Speaking as a small business owner who has had to undergo some pretty serious financial hardships just to run a radio show... It makes me furious that so many federal employees would contemplate abandoning their supposedly critical posts before their first paycheck is missed, even as Congress is expected to reimburse them once the shutdown ends. Many of us in the private sector, entrepreneurs in particular, have had to miss out on a lot more than a single biweekly paycheck over nothing so critical as national sovereignty. Nobody's going to reimburse us. No taxpayer guaranteed pension awaits us. And yet it is we in the private sector who must finance the lifestyles of those who would see our country left open to invasion over a delay in compensation. Speaking as a patriot trying to defend his nation from communism, I am disgusted and outraged at how little sacrifice our supposed protectors are prepared to endure. So, I mean, maybe the wall is perhaps, you know, as pointless as Chuck and Nancy say it is after all, right? Perhaps America's done for and defending it is a frivolous pursuit. If the mere prospect of getting paid late pushes the security apparatus of our federal workforce to the brink of catastrophe, maybe we've already ceased to be a country. Nobody cares anymore. And why should they? Every sphere of influence in our society has been set to the task of eradicating any sense of national identity in the United States. 
Movies, television, newspapers, education, even the state itself have all held diversity as the highest aim for as long as I've been conscious of such terms, such matters, I should say. If you wanted to launch a program to eliminate any sense of duty in a nation's populace, seeing to it that those people have nothing in common with one another would be quite the ambitious route. American citizenship has lost all of its exclusivity and with it all of its value. Millions of people with no regard for our culture or way of life pour into this country legally through myriad programs such as the diversity lottery with no other purpose than changing the racial makeup of the country. The dispute at the center of this government shutdown itself speaks at a crisis. Democrats won't give the president $5 billion for a $25 billion border wall because they think illegal immigrants are a higher priority than federal employees who are themselves certainly a far higher priority than the taxpayers who finance them. The demographics of that federal workforce are quite telling as well. The United States is only one of only two countries in the world, the other being China, which taxes its citizens for incomes earned abroad, turning that citizenship into a liability rather than an asset. Surely, though, our love of freedom binds us together as Americans, right? Please. The Cato Institute's Human Freedom Index lists the United States as the 17th freest in the world. A similar index from the Heritage Foundation puts us at 18th. We have no borders. We have no common ethnicity. We have no common religion. We barely even share a language anymore. And the one we're supposed to be sharing has been so bastardized that those who wrote our founding documents would find it incomprehensible. Citizenship is costly to the productive people who built this country while simultaneously a generous entitlement program for impoverished foreigners who just showed up. Communists riot in our streets and tear down our monuments with the full cooperation of our federal government. While our courts and Congress prohibit the president from defending our own borders from invasion. Sacrifice for the nation? What nation? Under what God? Indivisible, please. Division is the defining characteristic of America today. In fact, division does no justice in describing this state of affairs. We fear and hate one another. Skip a paycheck for that? Ha! America's no longer a nation. The warring tribes residing within the territory of this government are just fighting over the scraps like vultures at a nearly cleaned carcass. In short order, they'll once again be circling the skies, scanning the ground for a new corpse to pick at. Perhaps the greatest accomplishment of the Trump presidency will not be the wall, trade, economic reforms, or anything to do with the improvement or salvation of the country. Perhaps the defining characteristic of his administration will be exposing how rotten and hopeless our country has become. Well, that would be profoundly sad. Perhaps it is the best we could hope for at this point. Perhaps then we can start over and hopefully learn from the tragic mistakes that brought us to this dismal conclusion. Well, that was uh, that like- was that was darker than I recall it, but uh, you know, it's a stark warning. And I guess you know, I recorded that many years ago. I don't know what counts as many. Uh, certainly more than three. <laughs> but uh, that was actually not from. Uh, surreal politics and uh, that was from a production i once did which i called outlaw conservative as you might say is the predecessor to this is a less well thought out phenomenon in which i attempted to do a uh, a production that uh, 
would not uh, find itself running afoul of the uh, business services that one requires to uh, run something like this. 217-688-1433 if you'd like to be on the program. And I'm worried until the last I have to, so please do give us a call. But failing that, I will go ahead and I will read us some news. <clears throat> Poll increasing numbers of voters believe the United States is doomed, continuing with the theme of our break, shall we say. A Rasmussen poll revealed that a large number of voters believe the United States is doomed if their presidential candidate of choice loses in 2024. Per the poll, 40% of likely U.S. voters agree with the statement, Joe Biden must be re-elected president next year or the United States is doomed, which includes 25% who strongly, dis- who strongly agree. 53% are in disagreements, which includes 43% who strongly disagree. agree with the statement Donald Trump must be re-elected president next year or the United States is doomed, which includes 26 who strongly agree, 53% disagree, which includes 44% who strongly disagree. I might note real quick, 45% agree that Donald Trump must be elected or the United States is doomed. 40% agree with the statement that uh, Joe Biden must be elected or the United States is doomed. And that, I would say, is a sad statement of affairs for our country, but uh, something that uh, bodes well for uh, uh, President Trump, I'd say. 67% of Democrat voters at least somewhat agree that America is doomed should Biden not be really elected in 2024. By contrast, 61% of Republicans at least somewhat agree that the U.S. is doomed if Trump doesn't win in 2024. 45% of independent voters at least somewhat agree that the U.S. is doomed if Trump doesn't win, compared to 25% who share the same sentiment about Biden. 24% of voters strongly disagree with both the Biden doomsday and the Trump's doomsday statements. 40% of both white and black voters and 41% of other non-black minorities at least somewhat agree with the statement Joe Biden must be re-elected president next year or the United States is doomed. 44% of white voters and 40% of black voters and other non-black minorities at least somewhat agree with the statement Donald Trump must be re-elected president next year or the United States is doomed. That is staggering. Hang on a second. 40% of black voters and other non-black minorities. Now, that must be... Oh, wait. i got to turn my... uh, my, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to deprive you of my camera. You guys want to look at me. I'm pretty. Sorry about that. So, as I was saying, that is staggering. 40% of black voters and other non-black minorities. So that's got to be grouping them together, right? That's not like 40% of black voters and 40% of non-black minorities. They've got to be grouping them together, I'm thinking. Because there's no way that 40% of black voters like, without Trump, we're done. There's no way that's going on, right? That'd be something, you know. I think a lot of people who uh, who who dislike Trump, who, who used to like Trump, uh, are upset with, among other things, his, uh, his choice of pardons at the end of his presidency. And there's some merit to that dissatisfaction, I'd go so far as to say, uh, because, you know, he's like pardoning rappers who committed real crimes. And uh, the guys who, uh, the guys who uh, ran up in the Capitol uh, seeking to defend his honor, you know, those guys didn't get pardons. And so there's some reason to be dissatisfied with that. But, of course, you know, the political strategy um, 
has somewhat been to, you know, you remember him saying on the campaign trail, if you were uh, if you were paying attention, uh, he said basically like he said to black people, you know, what do you have to lose? Right. And he he asked them. He went for their vote. He he he, he went out in front of their crowds and he said. African-Americans. He, 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 he called them out by name. African-Americans. And he said that very loudly, and he said it very often. Uh, you know, and so uh, while Trump was courting. African-Americans. Uh, you know, I should turn that up a little bit because that's not loud enough. I'm going to play that one more time with the, with the, with the turn about. African-Americans. Isn't that more satisfying? Indeed it is, you know. And he said, you know, African-Americans, what do you have to lose? Then somebody turned around and they said. That true statement is racist. You know, and I don't really know what's wrong with those people. In any case, you know, he was trying to uh, he's trying to court the black vote. And part of the reason that he does that is because of the knowledge that without, you know, 90 plus percent of it, the Democrats can't win a national election. And I think, you know, there's some merit to the argument that. That's part of the reason that Democrats like I mean, Democrats do this every year to every Republican in every election. You know, you know, they they called, you know, Herman Cain and uh, and Ben Carson white supremacists. They called Larry Elder the white face, the black face of white supremacy, you know, because they're sick, demented people, of course. But, um, you know. They, they do this to every Republican in every race, it goes without saying, but they went really all in on Donald Trump. And why did they do that? Well, I think because probably because Donald Trump actually, you know, started making inroads with the blacks. And he's like, what do you have to lose? These people are destroying you. And they're like, you know what? As a matter of fact, the Democrats have really been screwing me. And they really thought about voting for Trump. But it didn't help, you know, of course, that Kanye West was on board, which is why Kanye West had to become a Nazi. That was just simply not going to do. And so, you know, the idea that 40 percent of black voters and other non-black minorities at least some would agree with the statement Donald Trump must be reelected president next year or the United States is doomed is really something, I'd say. Fifty five percent of government employees at least somewhat agree with the Biden doomsday statement, of course, because the Democrats are the party of bureaucracy. By contrast, 33 percent of private workers and retirees agree with the sentiment. When it comes to income earners, income earners, those people are important. You know, people who earn an income, you know, you might have gathered. They're really important to the continuation of a civilization. 66% of them making over $200,000 a year annually. At least some would agree with the statement. Joe Biden must be reelected president next year or the United States is doomed. Oh, my God. Joe Biden has those rich people in his pocket. Now, I'm not saying that everybody who makes over $200,000 a year is rich, but apparently 66% of them are. Because <laughs> you've got to be rich. If you, if you think this Biden thing is working out, you must be like, yeah, well, you know, what do I need all this money for? <laughs> Lower income voters are more likely to agree with the Trump doomsday statement. Ain't that something? You know, you know what's interesting to me? One of the things, lots of things, uh, you know, I couldn't do all this talking if I didn't find lots of things interesting. But one of the things that I find very interesting is, you know, people who say that Trump didn't accomplish anything. Well, you know, the fact that lower income voters think that the, the United States is doomed without him tells you something about what Trump accomplished, which is, you know, a, a major realignment of our politics, not least of all. OK, so like, you know. The whole entire meme about Republicans, Democrats still try to do this, is that they're in the pockets of the wealthy. They're the uh, the big corporations, all this nonsense, right? That's why they want to deregulate everything, to have corporations rule over us. And Mitt Romney was like, corporations are people too, you know? And everybody's like, no, they're not. And he's like, you're misunderstanding me. And that's kind of what I do is get misunderstood because I'm a subversive. But, you know, 
Anyway, but anyway, indeed, American politics has become a high-stakes affair where both sides believe they are engaged in an existential struggle. Such political dynamics do not augur well for the U.S.'s overall stability. A stable polity is one marked by homogeneity and consensus. Ones marked by diversity and polarization are destined for perpetual turmoil. And that is over from uh, Jose Nino over at... um, uh, big League Politics. I'm very insightful indeed, Mr. Nino. Caller, you are on the uh, Surreal Politics. How can I help you today? Yes, hello. Hello? Can you hear me all right? I'm not having a good time hearing you, as a matter of fact. I'm, something's wrong. Let me unplug my headset here. Oh, so much better. So much better, friend. Go ahead. Okay. No, I was just going to say I agree with you with, um, like, the idea that the Biden America is very much uh, detrimental to the average American, essentially. And that, like, as people see it and everything going forward, like, it is definitely... um, it is definitely harmful to the average working person. Like you see, as people's wages are not increasing with the, uh, with the, I apologize, I've been drinking, but <laughs> like with the, uh, yeah, but like, uh, with the, uh, As the economy has advanced without the average person, essentially, like uh, people are struggling more and more day to day in providing for themselves and for their families, if they even have them, like if they're even able to provide in that sense. Um, And it is a prime example of uh, the decline of our country, if you want to add to that. Yeah, I mean, once you have, you know, um, if you have a situation where the interests of the classes become completely disconnected, right? I mean, you know, that can only lead to destruction, right? Um, I think that you sort of have this phenomenon where the, uh, those who might be described as elites, um, they have attempted to wall themselves off from competition by knocking rungs out of the ladder, so to speak, and that uh, preventing upward mobility and knocking the middle class into the lower class is, you know, it's a recipe for disaster. And they don't seem to mind this one bit, of course, because they don't care about the well-being of the country. They're sort of like, you know, they view the world as their their oyster or their their playground, perhaps more accurately, that they could be in America today and, you know, uh, Europe tomorrow and Africa the day after that. And so they don't really care, you know, how well one place is doing at any given moment in time. And uh, that sort of like rootless cosmopolitanism, uh, that's a recipe for disaster uh, when, when, when you're governed by it, of course. And so that seems to be uh, that seems to be the phenomenon. And of course, they just want endless supplies of cheap labor and they don't really they don't care. They, they pose everything they do. It's like a humanitarian adventure. And so they say, oh, well, you know, I'm really concerned about the well-being of those immigrants over there, which is why we need to open up the borders, you racist. And then and then they do that. And then that negatively impacts all the people whose wages are being driven down by it. 
And they're like, no, 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 no. My desire for cheap labor is humanitarian, and your desire to feed your family is racism. And so that creates, uh, I would say, you know, that's that feeds the culture war phenomenon as well as the, you know, economic antagonisms and leads us, you know, to this point where, you know, people who perform vital government functions are like, yeah, well, you know what? I'd rather let the country collapse than miss a biweekly paycheck. And, you know, uh, that state of affairs, that's that's not going to continue forever very clearly. Well, absolutely. Like um, the interests of the political class in this country are definitely at odds with the, uh, you know, the average working person where, like, generally speaking, most people are concerned about, like, their day-to-day, like, or week-to-week, more or less, where they are viewing things as, you know, am I going to be able to pay the bills on time? Am I going to be able to actually, uh, you know, maintain some kind of lifestyle and provide for you know, my wife, my children, et cetera, where um, the average political uh, political elite essentially are like, uh, you know, hey, are we maintaining our power? Are we able, are we actually uh, going and, <clears throat> excuse me, are we uh, able to uh, extend beyond the uh, reaches of, but uh, there's about the uh, vehicle driving by. I'm sorry, <laughs> but Buddy, um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna let you uh, I'm gonna let you go. Okay, I got I, I'm I appreciate you chiming in, and um, in, enjoy your drinks, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Okay, have a, have a good no, night, that's, my that's friend. Fine. Feel better. All right, two one seven six eight eight one four three three. If you would like to be on the program, and uh, I think I'm talking to a man uh, who's some of whose comments I've read. And uh, I'm looking forward to discussing the subject with him. Now, I'll remind my friend here, um, we were discussing this in, a, in an uncensored forum. And I'll just remind him, I think he may know, but this is Surreal Politics, and I'll ask for his cooperation in, uh, in, uh, in controlling the language. Thank you very much, my friend, for chiming in. If yes, you could, hello. Uh, I hope can you that, hear me? Uh, yeah, I hope that you can do something about the background noise. I just heard a lot of screeching, and that would not be helpful to our discussion. That was uh, the door there. It should be. Is it good now? Yeah, it's good now. Thank you very much, my friend. Let's uh, uh, tell me, uh, g- introduce uh, the audience to your subject, and we'll go from there. Uh, well, it's uh, the topic of your show, the uh, the W question, the woman question. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so I you in your uh, in your auto screener, I read the way this works. For those of you who don't know is when you call the show, um, an automated system asks you to say briefly what it is that you want to talk about. And it tells me that uh, I'm the guy whose Telegram comments you write on the show. Let me know if you want to. And that's the those are the that's the text that I have here. And so I understand that I have read some of your Telegram comments. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And so um, I made the one about the uh, go ahead. No, please do. You go ahead. Oh, I was just going to inform the audience. I was the one that, that compared uh, women to underpasses. That comment. Okay, okay, the underpass comment. And so that was very, that was very colorful, and I appreciated the uh, ability to respond to it. Um, do you feel as though I have responded unfairly in any way, or what do you wish to add to uh, add to that? Well, I the gist of your argument is if we are just nicer to women 
they will uh, behave in a uh, better. Well, I I would not say that. <laughs> that... that I would not say that at all. No, I, I, and and I appreciate the ability to, the the opportunity to clarify. Um, my the gist of what I'm saying is that you are responsible for the world in which you live, and that if you tell women that they are unrepented whores uh, that look like highway underpasses, then th- that they are likely to, you know, embody that behavior, and that if you say that this is a negative thing, then they will go towards people who who say that this is a positive thing, and then you will be confronting them with blue hair and Molotov cocktails in the streets as a consequence. And so the best thing for you to do is to praise the praiseworthy. Now, I'm not saying that you should um, see a woman who looks like a highway underpass and tell her, wow, those are pretty tattoos. That would be like the idea of being nicer to women. And I don't think that that's what you should be doing at all. Uh, I think it would be far more sensible for you to um, to seek opportunities to praise the praiseworthy. Yes, I understand that, but uh, I don't see many opportunities. That's the problem. It's not, I'm not, I'm just describing the situation, I think. I'm not trying to, uh, at the, this moment, convince women of, uh, uh, that they're, they should uh, behave differently. We're just uh, trying to evaluate what is going on, I think, at the moment. Well, you know, your observations um, about, uh, uh, it's something tells me, now may, maybe you live in a particularly uh, troublesome area, I, I don't know, but I, something tells me that probably the majority of women that I come into contact with are not tattooed whores that look like highway underpasses, and so when I speak of women in a public forum, I do not speak of women as tattooed whores, and, because I, and, and part of the reason that I don't do that is because I don't want a world full of women who look like highway underpasses. And so, you know, the, the, the manner in which we, you know, describe these things is not completely disconnected from the realities that we create. If, if you believe that you, you know, have authority, you know, the, the words that you speak actually, you know, have some, have some uh, impact on the outcome, you might, you might know. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, um, it is, however, a real, well, I mean, I don't know where you live exactly, but I, I live in Tennessee, I'll tell you. And I, I, uh, I'm not a, uh, internet guy. I spend a lot of time in public. I know lots of women, and it's a sad situation out here. I don't, I mean, I feel like, uh, are we made, I don't know where you live, but maybe we're living in different worlds. Do you, uh, do you go to church on Sunday? Uh, not anymore. Do you, uh, do you, do you know anybody who does? Oh, I should also say I am, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Do My you, family. You, I'm married and kids. I'm not. I don't, I'm not personally an incel. So you're married but, with uh, kids. I, I presume your wife doesn't. And I, look, I, I, I presume your wife doesn't look like a highway underpass, right? Well, you know, some mornings. No, wow. no, no, I wouldn't. No, that's a, that's a joke. I, no. Okay. She's, good. She's right. Good. And so, um, you know, do you uh, do you do you keep the same company that you kept when you met your wife? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. And uh, I met her, you know. Oh, go ahead. I, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, how your reality is shaped. Okay, and I and I understand. I don't want to dox you on the phone, so we got to be obviously careful about this. But you know, it seems to me if your reality is full of you know tattooed whores, you know, there might be something going on in your life that's causing that to be the case. Well, I mean, this is just—I don't. Yeah, it's called "I live in America." Well, I mean, I live—I live in a state it's, called New Hampshire. I don't think Hampshire, this is you know. something contained to any region or any sort of economic demographic. I mean, the, girls, the college girls uh, look like the 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 uh, women I described. Well, I, I imagine that there are women in college who who have tattoos and behave like whores. That's that's certainly the case, and and they are and they are certainly, I will grant you this, growing in number every day. And I don't think that's entirely disconnected from the way that you and I speak to them. You know, I, I think that, as I said in the intro, I think that, you know, one of the biggest mistakes that the um, that the alt-right made was in sort of like speaking in this derogatory fashion about women. Now, I think if the alt-right had not done that, then, um, you know, this is a phenomenon that is, uh, you know, more than six years old. And some of the women who, uh, you know, could have easily been recruited into the ranks of that thing were certainly off put by the way we spoke about women and then they were like, hey, I want to join up with you anti-racist folks, and now they're tattooed whores. And so perhaps if we had six years ago been speaking to them in a, in a way that had been more likely to bring them into our ranks, they could have been saved from that fate, I think. Well, I'm, um, conservatism, like the mainstream Inc., uh, they were big women defenders uh, regarding Title Title Nine for years. You know, they didn't like it for various reasons. But and uh, that didn't really gain them a lot of women. And then and now they are pro Title Nine and anti trans. I guess trying to win the women. Is this? Do you think that's working for conservatives? Well, I think that uh, it, we have a great deal of evidence before us that not a whole lot of what conservatives have been doing is working out well for them or anybody else, which is sort of the whole entire reason that something emerged and called itself the alt-right, right? You, you had a phenomenon that was like, hey, you guys are not doing a very good job of being right-wing, and we've got a better idea. And so, you know, we tried to, we tried to establish that we were. And uh, we were, unfortunately— uh, proven wrong about that, and now we have to figure out another way. Um. Well, no, I don't. What's the evidence that we're wrong? I mean, uh, that a lot of women didn't do any all right. I mean, I think uh, dissident politics is just not a female realm. Well, what I mean, to, <laughs> what I mean by we were proven wrong is that. By the fact of our not being in power today, we are proven, as a matter of fact, to have not been a, a, a better alternative to conservatives, right? So, like, we did not gain power, and whatever you think about the reasons for that, the fact is that we have not displaced them, We have, and we have certainly not displaced the left. And so the left is in power because we failed, and so now we have to do something different. Okay, and you believe a uh, major reason for that failure was uh, a negative attitude toward women? I think I think that was in the top five. I, I think our failures were probably too numerous to count. But in the top five, I, I think it, it's safe to say that, you know, speaking in a manner that, that chased women away 
was was certainly not helpful. I mean, you know, politics is, uh, you know, they say uh, politics is about addition, not subtraction or multiplication, preferably. Right. And so, you know, if you want to win a, a popularity contest, which is fundamentally what elections are, um, you might you might do well not to piss everybody off. You know, it's kind of the idea. Um, well, I mean, it's hard to say even what, uh, tactics are actually effective, uh, when trying to win female support. Uh, they, for example, their women are, young women are big fans of hip hop and they're notoriously not very respectful towards women. So, uh, maybe women don't even want this kind of uh, idolatration. Well, I think what women what women want is to be happy. I think, right? And so, you know, what what are you offering them in the way of happiness? Are are you offering to to talk to them in a derogatory fashion? Are you offering to call them tattooed whores, or are you offering to call them, you know, wives and mothers and 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 praise those things as aspirational goals. And so I would say that if you talk about wives and mothers as praiseworthy and you say that women are great because they are this praiseworthy thing, that this is more likely to incur female support than calling them tattooed whores. That's my theory. Well, uh, that is possible i guess i don't really know what the evidence is for it but i mean i think what you have to have both uh you have to praise the praiseworthy and shun the uh those who are praiseworthy but you know uh i think we've we've maintained this we have this concept of chivalry forever in western tradition i think we've largely maintained that but uh we also burned witches and I think we've completely forgot that aspect. Hello. One moment. Okay. What can I do for you? And so uh, while the uh, caller uh, uh, addresses his customer, and I thank you for working, my friend, um, you know, I think that uh, burning witches uh, may, may have had its merit. Um, I'm also under the impression that witches, uh, witches are, are fairly uncommon. And so, you know, we have this term called a witch hunt, which is is to describe a um, a persecution of uh, questionable merit, shall we say. And that is why we call it a witch hunt. And so, you know, um, now, of course, I, I appreciate what C.S. Lewis had to say on the subject, which is that, you know, we the reason that we don't believe in witch hunts today is because we don't believe in witches. But if we believed in witches, uh, surely we would be right to burn them. And so maybe it is the case that we burned all the witches and, and, and thus are today the benefactors of witch hunts. Maybe that's the case. But, you know, I, I think that <clears throat> what, what I'm describing here is not that a tattooed whore comes into your, into your social orbit and you treat her um, as a wife and a mother. Certainly not. But, you know, to what we project in especially public statements, you know, is not you know, is not disconnected from the outcomes that we create, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, uh, I just thought we were shit-talking on the Telegram channel, you know. Uh, yeah, definitely, you know, I wouldn't 
speak that way to a woman I know. I don't think you would. And so like that's kind of the thing, right? So like especially, you know, Telegram is perhaps, you know, among the worst for this. Um, and it's, you know, part of this is a consequence, you know, our being banned from social media, like mainstream social media platforms and like having our discussion, you know, um, 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 condemned to the lower recesses of the Internet, say, is not disconnected from our plight. OK, and people predicted this, like like liberal free speech advocates are like, don't ban these people from Facebook. What are you doing? Like they're going to be completely disconnected from normal people. And then they're going to be, you know, all they're going to hear is this stuff. And of course, you know, this is not entirely disconnected from, you know, negative influences which are perpetrated against us by people who don't have our best interests at heart. So like, you know, one of the things that I noticed in the course of the, the discussion here today, tell me, sir, did I did I ban you from the chat or are you still part of it? Nah, you ban me. Okay. Well, you know, if you uh, if you contact me directly, I'll uh, I'll 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 strongly consider unbanning you. I don't want to make the commitment right now, but I'll I'll be inclined to do that since you called into the show. Okay. But you know, the part, uh, yeah, but, but but part of the reason that I do that, you have to understand something. I don't, and and this can't be emphasized enough, is that I am one hundred percent certain that some number of the people who join our chats and engage in lengthy and divisive, you know, um, conversation uh, is, you know, they're, they're there for a specific purpose, not in our interest. They're actually working for intelligence agencies. And what they are concerned about most is us gaining control over the government. And because they're afraid of us gaining control over the government, they spend a great deal of time making sure that that does not happen. And one of the ways to make sure that that does not happen is to make sure that you lose the support of half the world's population before you begin to pass out a single flyer and getting us to engage in like anti-female, you know, commentary is a is a really effective way of doing that. And so, you know, that's 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 the reason. And so, you know, it seems to me that if you're calling into the show and having this conversation with me that you know, you're probably not an example, the best example anyway, of the phenomenon I'm describing. But you might have been you might have been actually negatively impacted by it. Right. You have people who come in and 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 inform your worldview who don't have your best interests at heart. And so informing your worldview in in the way that they have, you know, has has negatively impacted your own perspective, I, I think. I think is not entirely disconnected. I'm not saying it's entirely responsible for what you're describing because clearly you're 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 talking about things that are happening, and I'm not I don't dismiss that lightly. But it seems to me that there's a lot of people, um, or at least a lot of social media accounts, I might say, because a lot of these are just one person or like a group of people creating endless numbers of these things, and you know th their purpose is uniformly to you know disturb our path to power because they think it's like a realistic prospect that that we might gain control of the government and 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 they're trying to stop that and so that's that's why i you know i try to i, I let things go on a lot longer than a lot of other people go on you know you might notice you know nick fuentes doesn't have a comment section most of the trs guys don't have a comment section on telegram okay you know like you have to like you know you have to get invited to a chat room in some other capacity to talk to other listeners I mean, you know, I leave my things open and I am, you know, you know, there's a lot of subversive activity gets targeted at us. And so, um, you know, I have to I have to exercise some diligence in cleaning it up. But, you know, if you call in, you talk to me in good faith, which you seem to have done, sir. You know, I don't I don't think that that accurately describes you. And so I'll be inclined to let you back in if you like. All right. Yeah, thanks. It's. You know, it's, it's no issue. I understand. It's no big deal. I, I'm sure if I. I would uh, ban heavily. 
plenty of fire. Well, I appreciate it, friend. So, um, uh, with that out of the way, is there uh, is there anything else you would like to add, my friend? Uh, no. Thanks for talking to me. Thank you very much for making a call, my friend. And please do call in again. 217-688-1433 if you'd like to be on the program. And the more you talk, the less I have to, so please do give us a call. Let me go ahead and read my singular super chat from, um, um, well, you know, it begins with T-S-Z-Y-M-K-7-7. Now, that's not what it begins with. That's the entirety of the name. And I just don't know how to pronounce that. And so he says, or she, I, this person says, here's something to help with your law supply store visit, Chris. And the reason he says that, the context, which is uh, unfamiliar to those of you who aren't on Telegram. Here's another thing worth remembering, ladies and gentlemen. Not everybody's on Telegram, okay? Like, we have this, uh, we have this phenomenon, I think, um, which it, it's worth me reminding Telegram audience members of, that, like, part of the reason that I'll say things in show descriptions that might seem repetitive to use, because actually most of the listeners are not on Telegram, okay? It's important to know. Um, and so, like... Uh, what he's saying, and it's, I appreciate your comment nonetheless, my friend. I'm just, you know, that was a point, thing worth pointing out parallel to, to the point that I'm about to say. You know, I was involved in a lawsuit um, uh, a couple of years ago, and I represented myself pro se, and I was a big star as a consequence of what I did. I used all the talents that make this production possible to put on quite a show and arguably uh, saved the bacon, uh, not to offend our uh, friends who don't like bacon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's not an anti-Semitic comment. It's a bacon joke. So what I was saying is that I uh, put on a, a uh, put on something of a performance, and people said that I should become a lawyer. And somebody actually said this um, in a comment thread that you know I should stop doing whatever it is that I'm doing and get a law degree. And I said, well, you know, today I, you know he had commented about this a couple of days ago, and I was just going through things and. Uh, and I and I saw his comment today and I replied, you know, should I just like stop at the law supply store on my way home from the supermarket and pick up a law degree? And uh, my friend who uh, sends the fourteen dollars and uh, and thirty three cents, he says, uh, here's something to help with your law supply store visit, Chris. Well, thank you very much, my friend. I don't know how much they sell them for over at the law school supply store. But if I can pick one up for $14.33, my friend, I will go and I will get one pronto. All right, let's go back to the phones. Uh, 217-688-1433. If you'd like to be on the program, and the more you talk, the less I have to. So please do give us a call. Caller, you are on Surreal Politics. What can I do for you today? Uh, caller? Caller, you are on. Sorry oh, yes, th there you are. Hello, my friend. What can I do for you? Sorry. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I want to give me one of them degrees if, if you're available at the supply at the supply store. That sounds pretty. It sounds like a good deal instead of, you know, the hundred and fifty thousand dollars that I heard that they, they cost. But, yeah. yeah. And, you know, uh, I mean, you know, at my age, the, the larger task, of course, is the is the time. You know, not that I have one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to spend, but, you know, drop one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in my lap and. You know, the last thing I think of is, you know what I should do at 43 years old is spend a bunch of years in school. You know, uh, I would uh, humbly suggest that um, that callers, uh, I mean, listeners to the show. Did I lose my caller? It seems that I did. Hey, caller, if you're listening, I didn't hang up on you. I don't know what's going on. Maybe it was the same pro problem that prevented me from hearing you before. But I, uh, I certainly didn't hang up on you, friend. Uh, and so uh, I would suggest that, you know, if you're a young person who listens to Surreal Politics, 
Um, you know, and you, uh, if you're the type of guy who runs around ace and tests or whatever, because, you know, law is a very demanding profession. Um, if you're, you know, struggling in school, there's probably better things you could do with your time than, than aspire to be a lawyer. Um, unless you want to be like a federal prosecutor or something, in which case you could be a complete idiot. I'm just kidding. We really shouldn't, we shouldn't have complete idiots as federal prosecutors. I'm just saying. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you are a young person and you're thinking about what to do with your life, especially if you care very much about a political cause or a certain group of people, uh, you could do worse than becoming a lawyer. That's for sure. Two one seven six eight eight one four three three. I think we have our friend is back on the line. Uh, caller, you are back on Surreal Politics. What can I do for you today? Yeah, thank you for having me back on. I'm not sure what happened. But, um, yeah, I, I, I really appreciate what you're talking about here with the women and, uh, you know, something in particular stuck out to me where you said that, uh, you know, it's it's what we are doing is causing what we see in the world. And, um, you know, that's something that people don't want to hear. But I do think that is the truth of the matter, you know, and, uh, you know, to what degree we hold personal responsibility. You know, of course, you can always, uh, you know, figure that out in different ways, I guess. But in general, you know, men usually kind of look at it the way like, you know, uh there's no such thing as making excuses because even if it's not your fault, it still comes down to you to handle the situation anyways. And, um, you know, I guess I get where the previous caller is coming from in some ways when he says, uh, you know, well, you know, women don't seem to respect themselves. Therefore, why should we respect them? And, you know, that I get that, but at the same time, you're, you know, we have to kind of, hold each other accountable and ourselves accountable and, and also praise people who are doing the right thing. And, you know, society is falling apart. I mean, there's no denying that. Right. And, uh, you know, I don't think the solutions are going to be very sexy or, uh, appealing, you know, it's going to be, you know, people doing things that seem small, like praising people who, you know, raise a good family and, uh, I, you know, I just think it's a lot of people don't want to take responsibility and this is not directed at anyone in particular. I'm just saying it's, uh, it's a, it's a very unsexy thing that you tell people. Right. And I think it's just the sad truth that we have to do that to people. We have to tell them like, especially young guys, you know, like they say, well, think, you know, all these women are crazy or whatever. It's like, well, it's your job to go and turn that around. You know, how, how do you expect it to change completely? Complaining is probably not your your safest bet, you know? Well, you know, complaining is your safest bet if all you want to do is complain. You know, if you want to accomplish more than that, then, you know, you're going to have to aspire to higher things. Part of the reason people do complain is because it is safe. If you're just pointing out the problems with society, then, you know— then, then there is very little to disagree with you about indeed, right? If you're just like, oh, well, all these problems are happening, and everybody's like, yeah, I see those problems too. It's very safe in that sense. But, of course, it's not safe in, in the sense of, um, you know, somebody who's invested in, in the future. You know, one of the things that occurs to me as you say this is, um, you know, the best evidence that calling women whores is, is not an effective way to prevent them from being whores is the fact that, Rappers call women whores, right? People who want women to behave like whores call women whores, right? They, they, they do this specifically for the purpose of getting them to engage in the behavior. And so, like, if you've ever listened to rap music, you know, you know the word ho is they don't usually say whores. They're not big on hard R's in rap. 
but um, they 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 do um, they 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 call them hoes, and they call them uh, all types of derogatory names, and they do this <clears throat> especially with the idea that you know that they will that they will manifest the reality that that they are describing, and it works out spectacularly. And so, you know, if we don't want to behave like rappers, then, you know, we might aspire not to be rappers. Yeah, and it's, yeah, that's a very interesting point, because, uh, and this is a debate that's going on among many different factions of the conservative movement um, about, you know, what to do about women. And it, it is interesting because you do see the red pill guys, the pickup artists, the uh, MGTOW guys, and everywhere in between. Uh, and they're, they're essentially doing the same thing that the rappers are doing. Well, they're just something to use. And if women want to do that to themselves, then we're, you know, who are we to deny it? We might as well take advantage of it. And, you know, it's like this, <laughs> you know, for, for lack of a better term, it's like a very libertarian approach to the thing. And that brings me to the, the point that I did kind of want to get to, which is that, <clears throat> you know, reflecting on the last 10 or 20 years of, this whole whatever this is going on the last 20 years in the United States, it has, it is kind of interesting because you were just talking about the alt-right and how that got derailed by the women comments and a lot of other things. And then you see the libertarian kind of derailed any real traction by conservatives. And then now you have this new version of it where it's like, it's just like this in, endless commentary on the, the decline and, you know, all these false solutions. And, 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 and you even see that they're admitting to all the conspiracy theories that we were mocked for for 20 years. Well, now they're true, but so what, you know, and, and it's, it's like this, um, it's like this perpetual, uh, I don't know the right word that's radio friendly, but it's like this uh, dema- hmm, what's the word for it? Emasculation, I guess, of men in general, right? And uh, I-, I just see that in- and of the conservative movement overall, and I think a lot of it is about men and women, really, at the end of the day. And I, I don't know, that's-, that's kind of what's on my mind, is just how every movement is being derailed that actually has the power to do so. And, and the thing is, people always point out, well, they're going for the guns, or they're going for this, or they're going for that. But the reality is it's a lot more subtle and a lot more fundamental is what they're really going after, which is the relationship between men and women, I think. I think that's very uh, that's a very astute observation. I mean, you know, the um, you know, the pursuit of the guns would not happen sans pursuit of the women. And so, like, you know, this this idea that you have this popular idea, sadly, that uh, Democrats are the party of women, you know, is preposterous, clearly. Um, women, once they become married, once they, you know, have greater interest in the future, tend to not vote Democrat. But, of course, you know, the, that's part of the reason that the Democrats would very much prefer them not to get married. And so, you know, they are they go for that, and then they're like, okay, now that I've, you know, really diminished your investment in the future. Let me let me convince you of all these things that will make your future much more dim. And then um, and then everything is in the moment and everything is destructive. And so I would say that um, you're right. It, it, you know, that's the that's the foundational issue. And, um, you know, you know, somebody brought up the other day, there was a conversation, a lengthy one, I'd say, about um, 
well, you know, I, I probably don't want to get into that subject per se, but, you know, the, you know, the idea was essentially that, um, um, how am I trying to word this? Pardon me for a second while I figure out what I'm trying to say. Um, essentially that there was a political tactic being deployed of you make it, it that it is more effective to get your get people to vote against the other guy than to vote for your guy or whatever you know and uh that's obvious right it's a lot easier to destroy things than to build them very clearly it's a lot easier to say the other guy's terrible than to say uh i have uh, all of these great things for you and uh they've done that spectacularly right they they go and they say these guys are going to destroy the things that you like. They're going to ruin your fun. They're going to deprive you of your uh, earning potential. They're going to do all these things, and you better vote against them. Well, you know, I think that that's not an accurate description of reality, but, of course, that has very, very little to do with our politics. You know, that what is actually going on has almost nothing to do with it. It, it, it is entirely about how people feel. And so if, if women feel that, you know, a political movement is going to treat them badly and and talk about and and that's the and that's what they'll infer from being spoken of with hostility then you know they're going to vote against that and so it seems to me that you know the 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 more the more sound tactic would be to say that you know this other political movement is is acting very in is acting very hostile to the interests of women as evidenced by you know, depriving them of all the uh, all the benefits of the things that we offer them, and you know, describing things in those terms, I think, you know, it can't help but be more effective than what's been going on lately, because it obviously what's been going on to date is not working. You know. Yes, and uh, there's so many things I want to say on the subject, but in, in another way, I'll say this: it's like, you know, there's a cascade of side effects as well. I mean, dealing with you know, the way things are now, it's like, you know, a lot of men are not feeling good about themselves. Therefore, they don't go and try to pursue quality women because they're in the moment and just thinking, okay, well, I need to get laid, which we all understand as men. But at the same time, um, you know, there's not much thought about the future. There's not much thought about who you're sleeping with or who you're engaging with. And um, and, and you see, it just has this cascade effect because then we, you know, and, and that's kind of what I was saying about the red pill thing is like, just take advantage of this situation. And, and of course, you know, if a woman's interested in you, um, you know, it's hard not to be interested in her. Right. But at the same time, we, we it, it's, it's like a, there's no cost benefit analysis going on, you know? Well, you know, and Darwin the, the, will be the first one to tell you that what you reward with sex, you get more of, Right. And so I, I think that's a very astute observation. My friend, I have other callers waiting, and I'm going to get to them. But I thank you very much for a very sound call, and I will talk to you very soon, I hope. 217-688-1433 if you'd like to be on the program. And the more you talk, the less I have to, so please do give us a call. Caller, you are on Surreal Politics. What can I do for you tonight? Hi, Chris. <laughs> Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for making the call. Um, you are... I, I think this is fabulous that you're talking about this. I think this is huge, and it's something that really has to be worked out. Um, especially um, the last point that you were making. Um, to, to, to just general, generalize and say things about 
all women and pushing any women away that are just naturally turning away from um, just like feminist, anti-family, just anti-everything. You know, they turn away from it and they look for a substitute. They look for where they can go and they find you guys. And then it's just like a bunch of little boys calling them like, nasty names and uh it it just pushes them back and all it really does is confirm i mean it almost makes our enemies correct right it it almost makes you know you know women that are searching for resolution or something better they go oh my goodness you know they're right these guys are just you know they're horrible and everything they said about them is right and that's a travesty and like I can see past that and uh even though I have my moments and I argue with some of them I don't hold any grudges and I can see past that but a lot of regular women aren't gonna see past that well, and, I would uh, I would guess that get... I would guess that if you're making this call that, you know, your your convictions, you know, sort of precede in some sense the the derogatory talk. Right. Uh, or uh, right. The personal opinions of a few. Right. Exactly. And, or of some or even of a lot. You know. <laughs> right. And so you have you have I opinions agree with them about everything else. Yeah. Huh? And because you agree with them about those other things, you put up with the BS of of the things that you don't. And of course, women who do not hold those views, who, who come in, the first thing they come into contact with is derogatory language about them as a class um, are are not going to be nearly so you know, inclined to, to put up with that BS. Right. And so like, you know, exactly. when I observe, you know, negative things about women, I mean, I've done this, I'm guilty of the sin that I'm, that I'm here confessing to. Right. So like I've done this and I understand that the drive to do it all too well, be, because I have, you know, done this thing. And, you know, the, the, the phenomenon is understandable, but it's like, okay, you know, now that you want to try to you know, change the world around you. Uh, it is incumbent upon you, um, political actor, to to manifest a new reality. And and the words that you speak in the course of that are hardly disconnected from the phenomenon. I'd say. Exactly, a hundred percent. Exactly. You you're gonna manifest that which you think about the most. And if the the thing that's prevalent on your mind is like, oh, you know, women are so terrible and, you know, a couple of them hurt my feelings badly and they're just all a bunch of sluts and screw them. Well, you know, what are you manifesting? You know, and, and as a female, you know, who's, who's had some life experience, you know, with uh, being married and having kids, you know... I think there's a certain level of growing the hell up. I would put it that way because you know what? I've had some bad experiences. A lot of women have had bad experiences, but it doesn't mean you turn around and go, Oh, you know, act like those, the, you know, they're just, these guys they are acting the same as feminists do, you know, like all men are bad because, you know, some of these men, you know, did something. And so that makes all men bad, you know, and that's just super, immature 
And, and when you're talking about, uh, wanting to have political power, I mean, you really want to be like still in the schoolyard, like Nana Nana and pulling on braids and, you know, it just, uh, you know, I, I don't want to get into to, too far into the weeds, but I did, I've been thinking a lot about this. And um, one of the things that keeps coming up that I think about is something that I heard said a long time ago. <clears throat> but I, I think um, with the downfall of major religions, and I hate to bring this up and I don't want to start any fighting, but without a unifying religion or a major religion that people are following, there literally is no um, vehicle for conflict re resolution between men and women. That's one of the major roles that religion plays is conflict resolution. Um, yeah, I, I'd say so. And, you know, and, and even like um, um, not just the religion as per like the 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 scripture or the text it, it's actually like the institution right so you know you you, mm -hmm. you have a you you go and you seek counseling with your religious leaders is sort of like an important feature of society which we've sadly uh which we've sadly lost mm -hmm. yeah exactly and they guided families through i mean and families go through a lot you know life happens and a lot of things that aren't pleasant happen. A lot of pleasant things do happen. People used to have family Bibles where they recorded, you know, every birth and every death. And, you know, their, their pastor was who they turned to. You know, we don't have that. We've, it's been subverted to now the people are supposed to turn to the government. And who is mostly populating our government? And, and what is their goal as government leaders? Um, it's not to make healthy families, and they they blatantly stated that, that it's not to <laughs> make healthy families or the continuation of a certain subset of humans, namely us white people. Indeed. You know, um, and the other thing that I've thought about a lot is, uh, <clears throat> and I asked, a content creator this directly and he never um, answered me, but because he gets kind of upset that I have opinions that differ from a lot of the males in his chat. And I say so. Um, but I think, you know, I, I, I think I do okay. Cause I don't, I don't hold grudges and I don't <clears throat> carry on wars forever, but I'm not afraid to state my opinion, but I did ask, um, Okay, so uh, nations are built, the, you know, the smallest unit of a nation is the family. And a family is made by a man and a woman. So if that family is the smallest unit of a nation, and these people online who are claiming to be white nationalists, yet they they appear to absolutely despise women and want to be homosexual as far as I'm concerned. How do they consider what they're doing to be uh, building any kind of a nation? And I mean, come on. Well, you know, you know I'll, I'll like, say in like their a, defense what, what they're doing. And, you know, I, I think it's, I, I do think it's misguided of course, but like, you know, I, I think that what they would say in response to this, and, and you've heard some of them say it tonight, I think is that, what what they believe they're doing is 
observing a negative phenomenon and discouraging the negative phenomenon. The message I've meant to convey but tonight is that is that that's not what they're doing. And if they no, the only if, people if, that they're speaking to are the females that are already not on that track. If if so, they were to I, understand that, I think that their behavior would be different. And so and they and you might notice that like. You know, the message that I've delivered tonight is is kind of a unique one, hence the resistance. Right. And so, you know, that's the that's the phenomenon with which we are met and 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 which uh, which we are here attempting to correct. Right. And and they have to. And, and just one last thing. And, and I'll, I'll, you know, but <clears throat> as much as they want to say that the Jews have, you know, ruined women and, you know, all the propaganda has ruined women and all these campaigns that have, you know, purposely done, been done to, you know, sway women in a certain direction, there is just as much um, directed towards men. And uh, can we say porn anyone that is directed directly at men? And it, it is, a, it's like a, um, what do they call it? Uh, like a, a public, uh, a health issue, a public health problem, you know, like it literally affects men's abilities to have healthy, intimate relationships to even perform uh, in a healthy sexual manner. So they have to realize that they have just as much poison and have been exposed to just as much stuff that is purposely meant to put them in a wrong direction and to be unhealthy, you know, and, and it's just really, 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 really going to stop trying to be like, it's everybody else's fault. And, you know, like I've said it before, you know, like as a parent, I would never allow, you know, if you see your children and, you know, kids do this, you know, they'd be like, well, little Johnny did this and look at, they did that and blah, blah, blah. And as a parent, you, you look at them and you say, you know what, don't worry about little Johnny. You don't worry about, it. you worry about what you're doing, you know, because that's what parents do, but it's, it's just a certain level of maturity in that, you know, everything got so messed up with the free love and the hippies and everything else. And then families get all messed up and all split up. And there's like entire generations of males that have not had good male models. So it's almost to me, it's like as if, you know, drunk uncle Bob, you know, has told little eight year old Timmy to drive the car and a lot of these guys, that's what they make me think of. They're like, you know, eight-year-old Timmy that's driving the family car because their uncle is drunk and can't drive it. And, you know, it, it just, we get to, <laughs> we get to figure out a way to have this respect for each other as human beings because we can't, a united front, you know, and, and I hate to keep bringing up like parents as a, um, metaphor or whatever but you know uh children <clears throat> when the parents are united you're able to raise a child much better that's so you know, that's, and so, men and that's women, so astute I, i'm sorry to interrupt you but i just want to point out that that's no, no you know that when 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 kids learn that they can play their parents off of one another they wreak havoc upon a home right and that mm -hmm. is such an astute observation that, you know, it's actually not so different for our society, right? 
Exactly, because that's just what keeps coming into my mind when I see this all the time. And it, like, it personally, like, in my real life, like, it bothers me. I Some of the things that the that are said in the chats and the directions that I see, you know, um, these people want to push things. It, it just, like, it is actually something that I go through, you know, in my real life and think about, you know, <laughs> and, it's just, and that's all I can think of is it, it's just, and, and that's what the man and, you know, men and women needing to figure this out is this it's not very much different from you know parents with yeah. kids they got to figure it out and be strong together because if you're not then everything kind of goes to hell you know yeah i so i I'm agree really and glad to i'm and i'm so glad that you chimed in tonight and um I, I have other callers holding so i i have to let you go but i want to okay. let you know that i really appreciate okay. your call tonight and um, and uh, thank you so much for making it. And please do call again. Okay. Yeah, I really appreciate you. And thank you, Chris. Bye. All right. Take care. Two one seven six eight eight one four three three. If you'd like to be on the program, and the more you talk, the less I have to. So please do give us a call. I'll get to your calls in just a second. But I should probably uh, speak to the people who paid me real quick. Uh, Night Nation review support white content chat. Um, Libertariat sends uh, $114.33. Very generous, Libertariat. Thank you so much. The fires are half the viewers. Get those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers. Indeed, they are. And so, you know, I think the button would be probably right here if you're on Odyssey, like right about there. And then, you know, over on um, GTV, you guys have that. Well, I'm not going to say what it is, but you get the idea. It's like right over there. Go ahead. Hit that thing that indicates your approval of the content. Because, of course, that is how we become more popular. And if you think that I have things that I'm saying that are worth other people hearing, the way that you accomplish that, aside from sending me buku bucks like Libertariat, um, the way that you accomplish that for free is just simply to indicate your approval by hitting whether it is uh, a fire, a thumbs up, or whatever it is on the platform on which you happen to be watching this. Because, of course, um, as a consequence of me being uh, you know, paid by generous people, I've, I've managed to... Um, uh, set this thing up so that we are on many different platforms. And I'm very grateful to those of you who have done that. So um, uh, Real Tony Soprano, he sends a nominal sum, which I must illustrate, is um, it, w Tony has given me so much money. He's a very generous man. And uh, and so I should not even mention that he's given me $1.11 because he has given me way more than that, and he's a very, very important part of this program. Uh, the woman debate has improved much over the last year or two. Tons of viral content showing young degenerate women getting owned by red pill types during interviews. Women are driven by status, and we can grow our political influence with them by being high-status men. And I cannot emphasize the wisdom of that enough. Um, being, you know— if you're a guy who is like not physically fit and you're not making money and you're not aspiring uh, towards higher aims, then, of course, um, why would women aspire to uh, gain your approval is kind of an important thing. And so if you want to change the behavior of women, you might first aspire to become desirable to them. That is kind of a really important thing. And I would encourage you all to aspire to such heights. Caller, you are on Surreal Politics. What can I do for you tonight? Hey, Chris. So I was reading, like, the, whatever you call it, the text that goes with the show. And it, 
my interpretation was that you're saying that women kind of becoming men is a recent phenomenon and that kind of goes together with i don't want to pick on this guy too much because i think that this comment was in good faith where he was saying the gop was pro-women because they supported title nine and that's really it's it's more of a benign attack on women is what it really is it's not supportive of women at all it's demanding that we be men is what it really is okay okay so, so when you're talking so the, the caller mentioned this title nine thing and um i i think that it it warrants mentioning what this is to the extent that i'm even able to do it because i've actually never read the act but this is essentially a law which demands uh essentially separate but equal accommodations for women in education like sports and that sort of thing is that is that a fair description of your understanding of it it might do other things, but the thing that people know it for is for basically forcing colleges to give equal scholarships to women as they do for men in sports scholarships. But it also has this, you know, one of the things that has emerged is essentially the reason it's this topic of so much discussion now is because Title IX has now been reinterpreted to as much federal regulation has to define um to redefine sex as gender okay so this 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 lunatic idea that sex and gender are two different things creating this artificial bifurcation and then applying this artificial bifurcation to allow for example um this uh these transgender people to to enter women's sports and dominate those sports and then act like they are not cheating which they are and they are cheating in that way but it I don't know that that's something I would necessarily even fight too much because what you're actually fighting is if you're paying women, a lot of women are going to go to college anyway, but if you're paying, if, whatever you subsidize, you're going to get. I get it. So what, you're, so what, you're, what you're actually describing to, is, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I think if to understand what you're getting at is that you're saying that the, um, and by the way, I think that what the caller was saying is not necessarily that GOP support of Title IX is pro-woman. It, it, I think he was saying more that this was the GOP's attempt to pander to a demographic. But I, I think that what you're saying is that subsidizing women's entry into education is actually um, a part of the phenomenon I described, which is that they are being encouraged to choose education and career over uh, children and family, right? Right, and it is. And that has the practical effects that are obvious and obviously bad, but what it also does is it communicates, because it's really obvious to say, oh, this guy's running around calling women hoes and everything else, like, okay, well, that's an obvious attack, but the benign attacks, are they're more effective, and in some ways, they're less easy to, dis to dismiss, and because it's saying it's not good enough to be a woman, you must be a man. If you're going to accomplish anything, all accomplishments are male accomplishments, so therefore you should go be a man and get some male accomplishments. Because, and I mean, in the GOP, everywhere from like the most, I want to call it soft right wing, all the way to the most extreme right wing people that I've been around, which is pretty far, I think, but they, not all of them, obviously, but they have. They pretend like they're supporting women by supporting them in being men, whether the women are even actively seeking that out or not. And a lot of the time, women are actively seeking that out. Everybody has agency, right? But they're saying, oh, we support you because we support you getting a degree. Go get a PhD. Go get a career. 
go be a man. And that's how we support women. We support women by telling them that they shouldn't be women. We support women by telling them that they can have the achievement of being a man. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 definitely what's going on in education generally, and I suppose with Title IX specifically. And so, you know, I think that what you're describing is indicative of a phenomenon, um, you know, as I said before about, you know, believing the lies of feminism even by people who, you know, purport to be in steadfast opposition thereto. And so, you know, Republicans or, you know, the right wing generally— you know, adopt the adopt the concept of equality as the underlying premise, and either uh, uh, aspire towards it or revolt against it. And since that is actually not what it's doing, what it is is debasing women. Um, it is uh, it is uh, it, it is destructive to believe that lie and to act on it in either fashion. Right, and. It almost seems, and maybe I'm, I'm wrong here, but it almost, it almost seems more destructive the more benign ways of doing it. Because it's really obvious if some crazy surgeon comes around and is like, hey, want to be a man? I can do that for you. But we've really been doing the same thing for over 100 years. We Just the tech has improved. And it's a lot more effective to be like, hey, you should have some accomplishments, especially I mean, the way society really is now. Some people get get around this, but... The reality of the situation is you're kind of forced to be a man for at least a few years before you're quote allowed to be a woman in most cases. That's that's very so, that's because, a very astute I mean, observation. I'm sorry, continue. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, so because being a woman really is a support role in, in a lot of ways. So you can't you can't be like a self employed wife. Like you can't be a stay at home mom by yourself. <laughs> That doesn't make any sense. So you you have to go out and be, and some women are like, well, I'll just be a subpar man for a few years until I'm allowed to be a woman. And some women, and, and, and I did this, like, well, if I'm going to be a man, I'm going to be a good one. I'll go be a surgeon or a lawyer. And then if this is what I have to do, I'm going to do it well. And that's a little bit insane, but that's the route a lot of people go. And I see the appeal to that. And I see the logic to that to some extent. It's a very cool. wise observation. I, I really have to say, you know, th- you know, because we don't provide, um, you know, I made to think of, and I don't, I don't really know how much this was the case, but I, I made to think of like home economics class, right? And like, I think that probably prior to the education of most of our listeners, you know, this sort of provided a, um, a, an sort of an aspirational course, if you will. And like, we don't do that now. Now we're like, okay, well, you know, you know, marriage is something that you're going to do much later and you're going to do all of these things in the meantime. And this is the only way of proving any measure of your worth. And that is very, very destructive, I, I would say. And I think, is that, a, is that a good approximation of the phenomenon you're describing? Yeah, I, I was later than home ec classes, so I don't know how helpful or harmful They, they weren't even we doing home ec when you were in school. Well, I I wasn't in a, a regular school, but okay. none of the people who are my age, I don't, I never heard them talk about it. So we have magic rectangles now, so we kind of get around that. But if, if there's something you didn't know, if I need to know how to cook something, I can look it up. But 
having that class doesn't help you get married earlier. Having an availability of men with careers helps you get married earlier. Yes. And even if you marry and the men don't have careers or you marry six years later with obscene amounts of student loan debt, and even if you don't, a lot of men are kind of insisting that their women also be men while they also be women. And that, I mean, then, you know, exhibit A, here's the world, I guess. But it's kind of non-optional to be a man first in almost all cases. And then that's the only thing that it's almost looked like, a, I was like, oh, you're going to give up your career and do this instead. Or, oh, you're, you know, you're, you're just going to be a, a mom. And anything that women should be doing is... Not insulting isn't the right word. Is a almost almost it's made to be like of ill repute. I I Whereas totally get this. That men should be doing. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Continue. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. Oh yeah, just whereas things that men should be doing are praised, and things that women should not be doing are praised to some extent, less universally. But I mean, even even the right wing is guilty of this. It's like, oh, this woman has all these accomplishments and. That's, this isn't what she really should be doing. We have to find, I would say, you know, and I've attempted to do this very recently. It's a very recent phenomenon for me. Is like I started sharing these memes from these channels, like these Telegram channels, like one called Biblical Femininity and, and other things of that nature, which are like, you know, portray women in this praiseworthy, positive light for, you know, for family-oriented purposes, you know. And, like, we don't have that. Like, that's not part of our culture presently, and it's and it's remarkably destructive. And I think that what, what you're describing is something that probably hadn't occurred to me before you said it, which is that, like, okay, as, as a matter of fact, like, that actually provides fairly little for a, for a young woman, right? Like, I mean, it's an aspirational goal, perhaps, but, but like, between the time that, that she's too young to marry and the time that she is, in fact, married— like, what's the direction? Like, what is the what is the praiseworthy course for her? And as a matter of fact, I, I'm drawing a complete blank as to the answer. And that's probably a, a large part of our problem, I'd say. And and uh, it's something that we should certainly try to figure out, because if you give them nothing, if you just say, like, OK, go go build a career and then drop it in order to be a a a mother and a wife, you know, that's like, you know, make this investment and then abandon it is, you know, sort of contrary to all human instinct, I'd say. And even if you do that perfectly with no debt, which I don't know if that's even possible. I mean, there was one study that will never be replicated. I have it saved in my phone, but I can't like put it into the air where I think you're familiar with this. If when you have men or women do male or female roles, their hormones change accordingly. So even if you're able to, I'm just going to go get a career and do it for five years and then drop it, that, that affects you whether you like it or not, even if you do everything right, it's like, okay, well, now you are more masculine just for the sake of having lived as a man for six years. And if you're not lucky enough to have been in a situation as a minor where you could go get, you know, meet these people, usually we're talking about youth groups, and get married at 18 or 19, your, that's something your parents can do for you. But if you just turn 18, it's like, okay, well, good luck. And... I don't know that there is a right answer. Like, even if I had it to do over again, okay, I turn 18, okay, now what? Like, I don't know. 
Yeah. Okay, well, I don't go to college. Okay, but then what do I do? I still have to live for until... Because the, the, the guys who didn't go to college, they weren't... Most of them didn't have any path they seemed to be following. A few did, but then the guys who did go to college, they just wanted to date somebody for six years, and it's like, well, that seems more like, yeah, no, I'm not going to be like your live-in prostitute for six like, you know how much I would resent somebody if I dated them for six years, even if they did marry me at the end of it? Like, no. Yeah. And just, like, to hope that works out, like, just be your living prostitute well, for the time? Yeah. Like, and, no. And, and, so and, I, and in most cases, right, like, a guy who dates a woman for six years probably does not live with her for six years, right, you know, prior to marriage, right? You know, a guy who's going to date a woman for, you know, some period of time— um, probably expects her to be provided for during the first, at least the first year of that, you know, courtship. And so, like, you know, what he's essentially doing is he's encouraging her to, you know, to get a job and to do the things that, you know, a, a person must do to live absent a provider, essentially. And so I think that what you're saying is very astute, and, I, and I'm going to do some thinking about it. But I have a caller who's been waiting on hold for 26 minutes behind you. And so I'm going to let you go because I have to. But thank you so much. For a very wise discussion, and please do call in again, my dear. 217-688-1433 if you'd like to be on the program. And the more you talk, the less I have to. So please do give us a call. And I'll note that for those of you who are listening who were on hold and hung up, this caller uh, is the last one in the queue. So if you want to get on hold again so I can take your call, now would be a fine time to do that. Caller, you are on Surreal Politics. What can I do for you tonight? Hey, how's it going, buddy? Oh, it's uh, going great. Thanks so much for asking. Yeah, I'm just going to... Oh, fuck. Hey, um, hey, hey, watch the language. This is a real politics. No, I'm just going to... Sorry. Yeah, sorry about that. I'm just going to say, this whole freaking women debate, it's the most overblown, uh, just pathetic argument. I mean, yeah, women aren't the greatest now, but what are you going to do about it? You know what I mean? Not like you have much much freaking choice in the matter. Suck it up and be a man. You know what I mean? Well, I, I, would, for, say, I would say that they do have some choice while. in the matter. It's kind of the whole entire point of my my theme tonight. And if you and if you care to dispute that, I'll, I'll listen to your dispute. But I mean, I, I just want you to understand that the whole entire premise of what I'm discussing is that they actually do have some say in it, which is that you know the, what they what they are putting out there is what they're getting back actually right so like if if men are going out and saying that women are unrepentant tattooed whores then then that's exactly what they're going to end up with in their lives and that they should aspire to to bring better outcomes well yeah i mean i don't disagree with that but i'm i mean i'm sure you've interacted with these type of people as much as anybody else in this movement has and it's like why are we wasting our time with these guys? I think the only thing that we should be doing is banning them from our circles, bullying them, and, uh, yeah, removing them. You know what I mean? They just cause freaking problems. And, like, bro, I mean, if you can't get a fuck, you can't get a girl, I don't know what to tell you. You know what I mean? We don't have time to be picking up broken toys. You know what I'm saying? Well, I, I, think, I think that you might want to make time to pick up broken toys because, you know— if you don't, then, you know, what? who is going to pick them up? Yeah, I mean, I guess. 
What's the um? You know, but, what's the what's the thing no. I'm thinking of? I, do you remember a a children's? I think it was probably a. I don't think it was a a series. It was probably a movie. I'm thinking of like, the Land of Misfit Toys or something. Does that ring any bells to you, my friend? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Do you remember the title of the of the film I'm thinking of? No, I don't remember, but I mean, I get the idea. Well, you know, there's you know. And I, and I don't and I don't even remember the theme of it, but the the thing the thing about misfit toys comes to mind, and so I mean, what I what what I mean to bring up here is that you know if you have this you know this this if you have a substantial portion of your society is like the you know considers themselves to be this like you know um, mistreated underclass. You know, then they're going to join forces with the other mistreated well, underclasses or something like that, right? And so, like, if if you if you if you convey to people that they are, you know, that that they are irredeemable in your eyes, then they will not seek your redemption. I think, I guess, is what I mean to convey. Well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, I don't, I don't think this uh, this segment of the population is as large as we freaking think. I think they're just incredibly vocal. You know what I mean? And these are people who are typically asocial to begin with. And I mean, if you don't have enough agency to look yourself in the mirror and be like, hey, you know, times are tough, you know, <laughs> maybe I should change some things or maybe change how I approach the world. I mean, let's not kid ourselves here. Easy women are, uh, I mean, they come in handy every once in a while, you know. Well, so, uh, depending you know, on depending on your concept of utility, right? So, like, if you think that easy women come in handy <laughs> once in a while, then you know, then you know that says something about what you find useful, you know. And I imagine that you know, if you're if you're in that mindset, you might find pornography useful. Is that is that a fair assessment? Yeah, probably. You know, I had um, I should probably release this. I'm saying after these, after these, go ahead. Half of these freaking guys, I mean, they wouldn't know what to do with a quality woman if she, if she, you know, landed right in his lap. He'd start spilling spaghetti everywhere. I mean, I don't know how much coaching we we got to do to get some of these weird dorks to, you know, lose some of these hangups and go approach a woman. I mean, or a woman. I mean, these guys, I don't think they ever even tried approaching a woman. They just sit online and freaking, hey, my God, they're all shameless hawes and loose morals like bro look at your damn self well yeah you know you, you know dang self. we 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 have some say in you know the reality that we create and i think i think we see eye to eye on that you know and that's that's fundamentally what i mean to get at and i mean that that pertains to everything else right i mean you know something that i've talked about i've talked about this in greater detail on the on the member chats is sort of like you know if you read like literature about the subject of success, which is obviously a very broad category of action, but like, you know, it, it, it is, yeah. it is most easily, you know, observed in business success, but a lot of what you find there will translate into your relationships as well. But like the first thing that you will read, if you read anything about the subject of succeeding is like, you have to, you know, take responsibility for every aspect of everything in your life. If you're running around blaming other people, then, like, that's the behavior of a loser. A loser will blame other people for everything and never take any responsibility, and therefore, you know, he never has any opportunity to correct the issues that are causing his failure because he's concentrating on things that he has no control over. And so, like, 
you know, if you want to succeed, if you want to, you know, your society to succeed, succeed, you know, you have to begin with what you can do something about. And the, and the things that you can do the most about are the things pertaining to yourself very clearly. Yeah, well, and that's exactly the thing. I don't think most of these guys are really interested in doing either of those things. That's you probably true. I mean? And that's what we're trying to correct here. And so I uh, I and I hope that uh, I hope that I'm doing a good job of conveying that. Yeah. All right. Well, my friend, uh, if there, you've held a long time, so I'll, I'll let you uh, I'll let you if you have something else to say, I, I will certainly take your thoughts. Yeah, bully the dorks and ban them from your circles. Get uh, get women. <laughs> Sound advice, my friend. Thank you very much for the call. 217-688-1433 if you'd like to be on the program. And the more you talk, the less I have to, so please do give us a call. Now, I will say something to all of those who are on hold, which is um, the first person in my call queue says, hey, it's me again. And so I'm assuming that you called before. And so I'm going to take the callers who are after you, who are people who did not get on the air yet, and I will get to you in um, in the order uh, appropriate. Caller, you are on Surreal Politics. Uh, what can I do for you tonight? Hey, Chris. So I've been in these uh, type of political circles for a while. Yeah. I've uh, been in the Fire Boys. I'm uh, sorry. No, I said I know that you have been in these circles for a while, and I'm just acknowledging my uh, my uh, knowledge of that. Yes, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I, I've been in the Proud Boys. I have uh, chilled out in America first when it first started. Obviously, these organizations are a lot more gay. Like the Proud Boys, a, a lot of people were all the good people behind bars. Essentially, the feds have infiltrated the Proud Boys like crazy. It's they really didn't do a good job of vetting people. Uh, America First, I don't know exactly what happened, but I started to leave when they really started to push this women hating, this incel women hating. And I noticed this with the Daily Stormer and Amer- was doing it at the same time and promoting America First. And I don't know. I think it's, a, I don't think it's organic. I think it's something that's being promoted out there for a good reason to not just turn off women, but turn off just men as well. There's extreme levels of hatred and insult politics. I, yeah, you know, let me just, um, I'll, I'll let you continue with your point, but I, just, I want to point out an observation. Now, you brought up a website called the Daily Stormer, and now the Daily Stormer would tell you that they are national socialists, that they are uh, uh, praising of Adolf Hitler. Now, um, if anybody has ever had the intellectual curiosity to go out and read Adolf Hitler's book, Mein Kampf, he, he would understand very quickly that like the, the absolute last thing that a national socialist would want to do is to drive um, to, to drive internecine conflict between factions of the nation. Right. Um, and of course, in the case of the Daily Stormer in particular, one of the things that we noticed was them stoking class divisions and generational divisions, you know, you know, attacking boomers, most notably. Right. And there's that there's a certain amount of that that goes on in, you know, dissident right circles. And I, I think that's not disconnected from the phenomenon I'm describing. When you go and you draw, when you drive divisions between generations, between economic, socioeconomic classes, between the the sexes, like you are actually acting in a manner so contrary to what an ethnocentric movement ought to do that it's it's conspicuously, especially when you're claiming to be a national socialist, 
who would understand this better than anybody if they had read Mein Kampf. And so it's uh, I think that what you're describing is very uh, a very astute observation. I'll let you continue with your point. Yeah, I think this essentially was a plan because it seemed to all happen at once where the Cowboys were getting infiltrated and then the Daily Stormer did a big rebranding. They're not, they don't do the whole swastikas and like neo-Nazi type of thing on their website anymore. It's very different. And I, I haven't read them in a while. I think they're still going with the branding. But I do listen to uh, Cato who's uh, one of the guys from the website. He's a Chinese guy. He's sometimes going to Dr. David Duke's show. Um, I, I digress. I, I just think it's like it all happened at once. I think it was done by the federal government or other bad actors because as soon as they were infiltrating the Proud Boys, they were doing the same thing with America First and these other websites. It seemed to all change it to just one direction. I don't think it's an organic thing that's going on. I don't think it's an organic thing either. You know, I, I had mentioned to the one caller who who I ended up banning from the chat. You know, the, the reason that I banned him from the chat is not because, you know, he in particular was so offensive to me so much as, you know, I am keen of the observation that people enter these things and, and stir conflict for that specific purpose, right? And, and like, you know, it is, in my view, better that I occasionally um, kick somebody who doesn't deserve to be kicked than that I allow that to continue, right? And, and I think that I have, um, you know, all things considered, uh, I'm not too uh, too modest to say that I, I think I've done a reasonably good job of that. And then, you know, and, and when I do come into contact with somebody who makes it obvious to me that they're not actually acting in that fashion, I'm, I'm generally happy to let them back in. But it's better that I, it's better that I get rid of a sincerely misguided malcontent than that I, you know, permit people to, destroy what it is that we're doing on a, you know, for worry of losing a single listener or something, you know? Yeah, it's better just to keep those people out because they just bring the whole chat down. Yeah. They're just there to, just the, the level of conversation just goes down and uh, there's this other network, the you know, radio network that had a policy of just banning themselves on their forums and, and their uh, subscriber comment sections and I think we only improved after that. Yeah, I think aspirational inceldom is, you know, kind of very conspicuous, you know, telling people that, you know, sex is a thing to avoid and, you know, there's, you know, promiscuity is a thing to avoid, sex being a completely different category of action. Um, But, uh, you know, I I am made to think of a video where a man says, seeking sex is gay and the best thing that you could be is celibate, and then he goes on to praise monks and whatnot. Well, you know, I I, I would agree that um, you know not pursuing sexual gratification um, as its own singular pursuit is is a thing uh, you know worth avoiding. But you know, when, once we get into describing celibacy celibacy as such as a praiseworthy behavior, you know, we we get into we get into very weird territory. I'd say. Well, that guy that you mentioned, are you aware that he is one of the leading voices of this incel movement? And he has went on dates with this guy that likes to dress up like a cat boy. <laughs> wear a schoolgirl outfit, just like a cat boy, and do sexual things with uh, a whole host of toys that he has. You know, and I have. Um, it just seems like I've seen conspicuous photos. I'm not entirely familiar with the context of it. And so. I probably shouldn't try to speak intelligently to it, 
But my friend, I have other callers on hold, and it is a little bit past 1130, so I'm going to let you go. But I thank you very much for an astute call this evening, and I look forward to speaking to you again in the future. Um, I'm not going to read the number out because we've got two more callers on hold, and uh, and I'm not taking any more after that. Caller, you are on Surreal Politics. What can I do for you tonight? Hey, man, I was trying to uh, jump the line. You caught me. I'm only kidding. Um, yeah, I just wanted to see if you knew about, because uh, it came out, like, I guess, maybe close to two years ago. It was a Louis Thoreau do- documentary about uh, basically, like, Nick, Nick Fuentes, and uh, it, was, it was filmed mainly, like, during this big conference he had. Did you ever see anything about that or hear about that? I, I'm sorry. I, I'm a little unclear on what you said. So there's a there's a conference involving Nick Fuentes, and what <clears> was the what was the broader context of this? I, I'm sorry. No, no. There, there, was a, there was a documentary movie made about him by this guy named Louis Thoreau. Um, but anyway, what he, one of the things that he zeroed in on the, in, on the documentary was, uh, these, it was about Nick and, uh, what's his name? Baked Alaska was in it. And then there's another guy that like streams on cozy. And he, one of the things that he found, he, he found like a soft spot to hit on really hard in the movie was this whole, uh, you know, like violently women, women hating thing that, that, that we're getting into. And, um, you know, I, that wasn't like the first time that I thought about, you know, this is, this is getting, this is getting like over the top, like the white, the white Sharia thing, you know, was that was like a, was a joke like a year or two before that. But, um, what's her name? Miss, Miss Brittany Venti was a, was a, was a person in the movie who spoke to him because this guy, one of these streamers that's uh, on Fuentes' platform was, you know, like encouraging people just saying like really like violent shit. It, it was all part of this, you know, watch your mouth. Whole, you know, sh- what's that? And watch your mouth. Oh, I'm sorry. You dropped sorry. an S. Um, it's okay. Go ahead. Continue. Oh, okay. Sorry. But um, yeah, I don't think I don't think that he took like I don't think that that was like a kill shot of his. But that is something that you know Louis Thoreau, even though he's just this kind of quizzling bugman journalist or whatever, you know, he saw that as a. He, you know, among others on on the left, they you know zero in on like the misogyny and stuff like that. And you know, people in the right have have, have started to uh, like address this and 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 talk about how it should be walked back, like the shaming of women and calling them whores and stuff. Despite despite the fact that there are a lot of trends that you know cause that cause that to happen, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just I was I was wondering if you saw that because it was something it was something that, he, that it was zeroed in on. And even though you know this is like the enemy, there there was there was a point to it. And I haven't really uh, heard. I'm I'm glad that you've gotten around to talking about it and and speaking about it so as effectively as you did in 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 the opening because it's just sort of something that people have been kind of acknowledging, sort of in a mum way, but not uh, not really getting around to to talking about it. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I haven't seen, I haven't really seen anyone, you know, go, go into it head on. Like you are, it's just kind of been like, it's just kind of been like, uh, you know, little conversations about dialing it back. So, um, yeah, I just, that's, that's, if you want to, if you want to, yeah, let me, uh, so I haven't, take, take I haven't seen further. the, I haven't seen the film that you're talking about, but, um, uh, you know, what I can say to it is that, look, like, if you're not a leftist, you're going to be called a misogynist. And and so, like, it can be difficult. Part of the problem with being criticized wrongly is that it increases the signal-to-noise ratio in such a fashion as to 
it, in such a fashion as to like make it difficult to figure out if you're actually screwing up, right? And and I don't think that that's entirely accidental. I don't know how much how much conscious effort is put into creating that phenomenon, but it it's certainly something that's not lost on the upper echelons of the critics. And so, like, you know, I I made a complaint, um, you know, years ago. Somebody asked me if I if I felt sincerely threatened by this flood of threats I was getting, and I was kind of like, well. Not not individually, no, but like they're 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 increasing the signal to noise ratio such that like I can't determine when a real threat exists. Okay, and so like what what you're what we're dealing with, I think, is that you know we're we're called misogynist no matter what we do when we're saying like okay, I don't think that you know you know killing your offspring is a particularly you know aspirational goal for women. They're like, well, you hate women, you want to deprive them of the right to choose, and I'm like, well, no. As a matter of fact, like I I think that you're you're encouraging them to do something that's destructive of their of their health and well-being. And so, like, you're going to be called a misogynist for that. And then you're like, well, you know, if you're going to call me a misogynist anyway, then then how then then like, how do I know when what I'm doing is actually like demeaning and destructive of women? Right. It, it, the, the purpose, theoretically, of, you know, of of condemning behavior is to condemn condemn worthy behavior. And so, like when you're when you're constantly subjected to this, it becomes difficult to know if you're screwing up. I think is is probably a, a worthwhile observation. And so, like, you know, these when when we're met with this stuff, we're like, okay, well, you're the outgroup, so what do I care about you? But I think that in the course of this, you know, there there is some signal, and part of the signal is like you you just had a meeting, and like everybody there was a was a single guy who's like discontent and you know having these problems in his relationships and like. Well, you know, there's your signal. And so, like, I think that what's interesting, you know, not that we've, uh, I think we have had at least twice as many female callers tonight as we've had on most evenings, okay? <laughs> and and that is to say we've had two. And so every once in a while we have one woman call in. Uh, I think that, um, you know, that's uh, that's an interesting phenomenon in and of itself. And so, um, and and to my knowledge, I don't think that either of the women who called in tonight have ever called in before. And so, like, we, we have some we have some say in the matter, I'd say. And so um, I'm not sure that I fully responded to your point, but I, I think that, look, the enemy is going to call— uh, the, the, the only thing I wish to say is that, you know, since just the fact that the enemy is going to call you a misogynist anyway doesn't mean that you should be one. It doesn't mean that, like, you respond to what he says by embodying the, the criticism. That is not necessarily the thing to aspire towards. Uh, and, like, uh, and—, and you can witness the the negative consequences of that in your in your political outcomes, and I don't know exactly what the answer is, but obviously we have to change it. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, thanks for taking my call. Um, I, I wouldn't really recommend watching the documentary. It's just kind of what uh, I mean. Whatever. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's kind of funny, but it's not very good. But um, yeah, man, great opening. That was uh, that was that was a lot of fun to listen to. Well, thank you very much for the call, my friend. I appreciate it, and I look forward to speaking again in the near future. Uh, and uh, you, my friend, your second call of the evening. You know, I used to have a policy of uh, not taking a second call, but you're all right, so let's do it. What's up? Thanks. Yeah, I just called. Uh, I've been listening to the show and uh, just thought of a few things. And, like, one is I think part of the problem is uh, we just are coming at it from a different perspective. Uh, I think, like, you are in, like, Captain Savaho mode, where you're, like, gonna, how can we rescue this 30-year-old 
you've blown out thing. And I am more in like uh, Captain Prebenaho mode, where how do we prevent young kid girls from growing up and becoming her? Okay. Let me ask you a question and about that. And that is one reason why. Okay, yeah. I just want to ask you a question. So, like, have you you listen to rap music at all? And I don't imagine you do frequently, but do you, are you familiar with the phenomenon? Big Yay fan. So, nice. like, do you think? Oh uh, yeah, do yeah, you think yeah that, Do you think that rappers are calling women whores because they wish there to be fewer whores? Um. Do I call it? Oh, fewer whores. Uh, no. Probably no, they're, they're they're calling women whores because they have a reasonable expectation that by calling them whores, they will make them into whores. But they are they want whores. They're promoting whores. Yes, exactly. They're that's, like, that's yes, the whole point. Don't be a whore. I'm saying don't be a whore. Well, what I'm saying is they're they're calling women whores, and and they're not <laughs> always doing so in praiseworthy fashion, right? They're they're calling women whores in order to lower them to whore status, right? And and so like. It's a it's a phenomenon that men who abuse women, men who treat women badly, um, want them to to have low opinions of themselves so that they will degrade themselves sexually, right? And so, like that's why people who have people who don't want good things for women call them whores. And I'm interested in why we would emulate that behavior. Well. Again, I don't, I mean, if you, you think if you uh, accuse a woman of being a whore, to make it clear this is a very bad thing that's the same as uh, promoting it, encouraging her to be a whore. But uh, uh, we can move on from that. No, I, I, I'm more thinking okay, like. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so let's say uh, I'm out and about with my daughter, right? And we run into the, one of these chibis. Now, my do you think if I responded with, oh, wow, she, she turned her body into a work of art. Women are magic. Uh, that would be good for my daughter if I said, oh, what a, if I responded, uh, you know, what a dumpster fire. Uh, I think it touched me. I need to go wash my hands. What do you think would be more effective in preventing my daughter from growing up to become something like that? Well, I, I think that when you observe a woman who is behaving in a negative way and you instruct your daughter to not behave as that woman does, that this is surely a worthwhile thing to do. What I think is that also when you cast into the the broader atmosphere, if you just make generally negative statements about women in front of your daughter, that this would inform your daughter's opinion about women in general— and that this would negatively impact your daughter's opinion of herself. Does that make sense? Uh, so you're going with women or magic? Well, I, I, I am going with, you know, women have qualities which should be encouraged, right? And that, and yeah, as a matter of fact, I, I kind of think they are kind of magic. And qualities actually. that should be discouraged? Well, I, I don't think that those are, are quality, right? <laughs> you know, these are, these are negative phenomenon which are worth discouraging on an individual level, right? So, like, you know, if you're—say you know, your daughter, you know, goes to school and comes home with some bad habit, that, that you would obviously want to correct that habit. I, I think that that would be an appro entirely appropriate thing for a father to do. But, you know, if you make—like—and uh, I'm not saying—I don't—off the top of my head, I don't have your comments in front of me. But if you were to make comments in front of your daughter that say, 
American women are disgusting, then that would inform your daughter's you know, opinion of herself as an American woman. And that would negative. And if she has a no, low self-esteem, then she has less incentive toward to aspire towards praiseworthy behavior. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's all I'm getting at. And I mean, like, you know, and if I've done a poor job of conveying it, I, I appreciate the correction. But that's all I mean. You know, that like and you think if you think about it in terms of your daughter, you personalize it a little bit. I, I imagine that might, you know, help help in you know, your dis your disposition towards women as a general matter, right? Like if you tell American women that American women are whores, then like this is this is going to inform their opinions of themselves. If they have low opinions of themselves, then they will not aspire towards praiseworthy behavior and they and they will behave as you are describing them. And then there are people who will praise that behavior and they will go to those people who praise the behavior. And those people will lead them to destruction and they will and and thereby they will destroy our race and nation. Oh yeah, I um I hear you. Uh I still really don't see how uh being negative toward women who uh do not uh behave themselves as they should is uh going to negatively impact other women. It's like the caller who called in before the woman who was complaining about men calling women horse. But the shit women are, I mean, American women are horse. I mean, I understand. I, it makes it very difficult if there's no generalization generalization possible. Okay. Well, no, no, no. I don't uh, think that can, no generalization is can, possible, but what you just, the words that just came out of your mouth. Okay. Are, are a thing that... Well, I could go Western or... Well, even worse, okay? So, like... As large, it's Europe, yeah. <clears throat> you know, let me... Let, let's put it this way. Imagine you just said white women are whores, okay? Because that's a lot of what we're talking about when we're talking about Western. That would hardly be something that uh -huh. I think that white men should, should take lightly, okay? So, if you heard... If you... Let's say... Are you a white man, sir? Yeah. If you heard a black man say white women are whores, how would you react to that statement? Well, yeah, see, that's uh, I would. Yeah. How could I take issue with it? It's true. Well, that's it's like I was going to say about the woman earlier. I mean, if like if somebody if some, I'm a, like you said, I'm a white man. If somebody makes an honest critique against a white man, I'm not going to get offended. It's the truth. What if he said that? White men are weak, and he used a derogatory term to do that that pertained to a woman's genitalia. If he said white men are peas, you know, would you, how would you feel about uh, that particular black man's disposition towards you? Toward me, uh, I think he would. I mean, he, I, I, I would agree generally that white men are pussies. Okay. And I, he would probably, yeah, stereotype me along with all other white guys. And uh, <laughs> would you think that that black man had your interest at heart? Well, um, it, that would be irrelevant. It's just, you know, whether it's true or not. Well, you know, I think that, I think that it's not irrelevant in politics whether women think that the people they're supporting politically have their best interest at heart, right? 
Well, let's, that's, this is where it becomes complicated. Like that woman before, she just heard a negative comment about women and said, well, okay, I'm out. But so how can you uh, fix anything if that is the situation? I don't think that I'm not sure exactly what you're referencing, but there was a woman who called in before who said, I have strong convictions that are in agreement with these people. And because of that, I did not leave when I felt insulted as a woman. But, you know, we can't expect that all women who approach us actually have that strong of convictions. And so, you know, women who who do not agree, who, who do not hold strong views in accordance with ours, but are realizing sort of that the other side is destructive of their well-being they come over and they're like hey let me see what these guys are about and then they're told that they're tattooed whores and so because they don't want to be called whores they they leave mm, well again so i mean okay we're calling them a whore person well actually, honestly in any community even the incel or uh white sharia community a woman's gonna find a simp who's gonna uh, you know, do that thing, make them feel welcome. Well, yeah, Let and so if you want, if you if you want understand. the if you want women to behave <laughs> in a less, you know, if you want women to behave positively towards simp's, then go ahead and treat them negatively. I don't. But but I'm saying like so like imagine like a woman is looking for stuff on Telegram, right? And she comes to my channel. And she has no idea about any of my other views. And the first thing that she sees is me describing men as simps if they treat women well. Then she's going to assume that I think treating women well is a negative character trait. And she will make appropriate inferences about that, about my disp disposition towards women, right? Yeah. And then the women that she, and then the, she men, might, the, um, the men whose company she will keep will, in fact, be simps. And that will encourage, you know, all of the negative character traits that you mean to discourage by calling men simps because they will be rewarded with sex and they will continue their behavior. Simps. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that's that's what does widen the discussion into, uh, you know, the problem with men and there is really, I mean, I don't think you can say that in the West uh, what, that there's any evidence that the problem is that women have been slut shamed too much, you know, and that is how we re we ended up here. I mean, the exact opposite is the truth. Well, I would say <clears throat> that you you are not going to have any opportunity to slut shame women if your if your public attitudes towards them are are such that they do not care to hear what you have to say, right? So, like, I've said this about other contexts where, like, if you are not involved in the conversation, then you have no opportunity to influence a person's views. And so, you know, again, if, I, if like, if somebody's just coming across my Telegram channel for the first time, a woman is coming across my Telegram channel for the first time, and what I'm doing is calling women whores, then they're not, actually not going to listen to me slut-shaming them, right? Like, they have to be pulled in by some other factor and then as a consequence of being pulled in by that factor hear the slut shaming and so like if what i'm projecting is i have a general opinion about women that they are low sex objects 
then they are they are terribly unlikely to sit around and tolerate that for very long. When there are people who are like, I love women who love who who give me sex, right? If if there are other people who are like, I do not judge you for your promiscuous sexual behavior. You're wonderful just the way you are, and you should pursue all of your pleasures without restraint. And they they come across these two things. Which one do you think a woman with no political or philosophical convictions at all, she sees one where I say women are whores, and another one which says, I think that you should pursue pleasure without restraint. Which one do you think is more attractive to her? Well, you know know the answer to the question. The answer Uh, to the question is she's more attracted to the people who tell her, pursue your pleasure without restraint. I don't know that. I mean, you're talking about... People who I'm sorry, you're talking about people who may be attracted to our politics, though. What I'm talking about is people who and are if, not attracted to our politics. And- no, 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 no. I'm. I just want you to understand. I'm talking about people who have no particular attraction to our politics, which is exactly the people that we need to recruit if we hope to grow the people who are interested in our politics. Right. So when when we're talking about Women who come across two political, they just imagine a woman who has no political interests at all. She comes across two two telegram channels. Just just as she's scrolling through, just imagine it's a fictitious scenario, clearly, okay? But just try to imagine it. She comes mm-hmm. across one where the first thing she sees is women are whores, and she comes across another that says, "I love women and I want them to pursue their happiness without restraint." One of these things is more attractive to her than the other, most likely. Which one do you think that it is? Well, yeah, see, that's that's why I said women earlier. Uh, well, the first, the uh, women are great no matter what. That is the message they're getting everywhere. You know that I have not said that. So right? what's that? If it, another, what's that? I have not said that women are great no matter what, um, right? Like I'm, I'm a, I'm actually oh, I'm like. Sorry, uh, well, context, I, I didn't remember your exact phrasing. The, uh, the context of it is they should pr- pursue their pleasure. Well, I'm saying, wait, oh, you're so. I'm sorry. I apologize. You're 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 referring to the other channel. I'm sorry. So go ahead, make your point. You're you are you are addressing my point, and I apologize for interrupting you. Go ahead. Oh yeah, the first message, the you know acceptance women message, they're getting everywhere. Exactly. And you know if they're gonna what differ what would differentiate you if you were had the same message. Like what you want is a woman who who has has already come to the conclusion she, for whatever reason, understands the women are whores. Like we got a serious whore problem in the West, and you know if seeing that somewhere, if she can't take it, then you know she's not going to be any use. She's not going to be useful anyway. Well, you know I um I appreciate your your views on this, and I'm I'm gonna. I'm going to say one more thing, and then I'm going to give you the last word because it's after midnight, and uh, and uh, we usually end at 11:30. But you know, my my thinking is this: that what I'm what I'm attempting to do, and if I do a poor job of it, please do correct me, friend. What I'm attempting to do is praise a particular course of action. Okay, I'm trying to say that women have qualities which which are uh, per, they they can be described as um, you know among other things, the qualities of a wife and a mother. Okay. And so, like, that's like the 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 primary subject of my trad posting, and uh, I'm offering them praise for a particular course of action, and simply declining to mention with any with any with any urgency, you know, their the negative behaviors that they sometimes embody, because I believe that if women are encouraged towards those things and they see, you know, 
desirable imagery of women in family roles that this is how propaganda works. And so I'm, I'm hoping that they will see that, find that more desirable than pursue your pleasure without restraint. And I think that they will, I think that if they come upon that and they're not chased away by men who call them whores, that they will be more inclined to, to have, um, to, to find out more about what we have to say and that this will improve their lives and ours substantially. I'll give you the last word and then I got to let you go, buddy. All right. Uh, thanks. Uh, great. Uh, love you. I would say, uh, um, yeah, that's probably another, I, um, I probably don't focus all that much in like the wider realm in uh, like trying to convince women and the more like on the telegram or something, I am speaking more to men because, you know, men have a lot to learn too, you know, it's not just women. So that's why I say politically, I would, I would just, I wouldn't really focus any attention towards females because uh, they're followers anyway. Well, uh, I thank you very much for that, for that input, my friend, and uh, and please do call in again. And and by the way, just send me a direct message on Telegram. I'll unban you from the channel, and we'll give this another shot. Okay, friend. All right. Have yeah. have, have a great night. Thanks so much for calling in. Ladies and gentlemen, we do this every Monday at 9.30 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time, and uh, I would encourage you to chime in again. The uh, I will read over my uh, my super chat. Uh, uh, somebody else sent a uh, fashy Chad. He says, Christopher Cantwell, I'm glad I found your channel. It's nice to see highly intelligent people on our side. Are you a member of the NJP? I hope you have had some children to share your good genes with. Well, thank you very much, my friend. Um, I am not a, matter, uh, a member of the National Justice Party. I am a registered Republican and have been for as long as I have been registered to vote. And while I do feel that my party has, uh, shall we say, let me down from time to time, uh, I very much want them to defeat the Democrats and to improve their own behavior, which, much like I've said about women this evening, I, I think can only be done if we, uh, if we portray themselves as people who have their best interests at heart. And so I do not uh, ally with a rival political party um, when I am trying to get my political party to behave in a better way. And so that's why I'm not. Uh, I, uh, I'm not going to speak too much of my reproductive history because it is a very sad story, and I wouldn't want to burden you with that. But we do this every Monday uh, at 9.30 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. On Wednesday, those of you who are members— you get to join us for the Wednesday members-only video chats, and you can become a member at surrealpolitics.com slash join, and that's a great idea. And you know what? I'll tell you something that you might not know. Uh, we actually did this for uh, listeners of another show, but I'm going to share it with you guys because you've been really helpful tonight. If you use code AGENDA33 when you check out, you will get 33% off your first three months of membership, which takes the number down from $10 to $6.70 a month. And that's a great thing for you to do because once you're a member, then you go to surrealpolitics.com slash shop and you can, and there you can buy all sorts of great stuff and you'll buy it at a deep discount that's only available to members. Uh, and the, like the member discounts, they're not even like visible. Like if you're not logged in as a member, you don't even see the member pricing. So you got to become a member at surrealpolitics.com slash join, and then you'll be able to buy all the great stuff at the member discount. And that is exactly what you should do. And if you've done that and you're just like, I still need to give this guy more money because he's just so great, and you can do that. There's lots of ways to do it. Um, surrealpolitics.com slash donate will uh, guide you towards my cryptocurrency keys. And I love that cryptocurrency. All you guys, 
who are into cryptocurrency, go ahead, fork it over. That's a great idea. And I will, uh, I'll make good use of it, I promise. And if you're not into the cryptocurrency thing, credit debit card, uh, givesendgo.com slash SPM. Those of you who are watching on other platforms, I might inform you that you can still send me super chats. Uh, you just do the entropy thing. Uh, maybe I should actually, you know, here's what I'm going to do. I haven't done this yet, but I will go after the show. I will create what's known as a 301 redirect. So if you go to uh, surrealpolitics.com slash super chat, you will find a way to give me super chats during the show on platforms that do not offer you that opportunity. So I'm going to do that. And the next time, next time you'll be able to do it. And that would be great because you know what? The more money I have, the better off you are. That's really uh, that's really the most important thing for you to understand. And so we're going to be back Wednesday for the, uh, the member chat. And of course, I'll be back uh, in a variety of contexts for an uncensored production on Friday. And, uh, you know, if you've got kids in a room, don't bring them Friday. Just, you know, have your wife take care of them. Hire a babysitter. Put them in front of the cartoons. Maybe, uh, what's the one? We don't want them watching Teletubbies. That's really bad. But I don't know. Tuttle Twins, whatever it is, okay? I love you guys. Thanks so much, especially the people who paid me. You guys are great. And, uh, you know, yeah, especially to the ladies. Ladies, thank you so much. I love women. I really do. I love women categorically. It's really terrible what happened to them. We should try to fix it.